Welcome back to We Got Goosebumps, a podcast dedicated to the landmark horror series for children, written by Arl Stein back in the 90s. I'm your pal Cody, who doesn't laugh at your jokes, <laughs> Dylan. And I'm your evil little lap dummy, Travis. I'm on the cover of the podcast as, you take your pick, Slappy or Mr. Wood. All right, I'm on the I'm on the uh, the logo as a puppet. Okay, I am your evil little lap dummy. Well, what is, what's your their, your hair color? That's one. That's the only way to tell them apart if they're naked. Like if they take off all their clothes, <laughs> Mr. Wood has red hair and Slappy has uh, a more refined. Oh, well, not refined. I don't want to say. Oof. Offense to the gingers out there. He has a uh, a less brightly colored quaff uh, than than does his his brother. That's fair. I do want to point out, you know, and we'll get into it. You know, we were talking about two dummies today, Slappy and Mr. Wood, both mm. euphemisms for giant dongers. I think yeah. that that's wild. I, uh, you know, I didn't, uh, for some reason, I guess Slappy has been a part of my, my lexicon for so long as being the ventriloquist dummy who became the, the spokesperson for Goosebumps, like the, the Geico lizard, I guess. Uh, and... <laughs> Which is funny considering how this book turns out, but I guess you can't base a yeah. whole empire around uh, a panini dummy. Um, there's got to be a better <laughs> way to... Uh, I'll think of it. Wow. I did that thing where I just kept talking until I'm lost in the woods. And I can't even see you anymore. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to... You did say panini dummy. I did say panini I'm wondering dummy, if that's... I just want to leave that. Is that someone who makes... You like a panini? No, no, no. It's... It's not like a sandwich artist. That's that's. I was spoiling the the end of our uh, the book. Hmm. We might have read two different books, but okay. Well, Wait, what are we what are we reading here today? Ah, uh, today we're reading number seven, which means we've done seven plus one eight episodes of this of this podcast. And number seven is Night of the Living Dummy, which which uh, to be fair, if you don't know, they're talking about a ventriloquist dummy. It just sounds like a really mean thing to say to like your dumb friend. Just like. <laughs> It's the living dummy. Like, you know, just it seems. It really does. It's aggressive. Yeah. But anyway, it originally came out in May of 1993. Still, still, real early in the 90s, and we telling everybody about the plot of the book as as we go along. But Travis, did you ever have just a really, really intense desire as a child, say between the ages of seven and nine, to have? A ventriloquist dummy. Maybe not even to really learn to be a ventriloquist, but just to own that in your possession. Did you did you ever have that kind of fascination with with a doll that could move? <laughs> you know, it's strange that when I read this book, I was like, "What a dumb premise!" I don't know that it, if this could ever be scary, and it takes a minute before that kicks in. But I was reminded of, and I think they kind of reference this a little bit in the book. You remember Star Search with, uh, was it like Ed McMahon? Did he do Star Search? With like when little kids would come out there and yeah, sing yeah. and they would get points or whatever. Mm-hmm. People had all these different talents or whatever. Uh, I do remember there being ventriloquists with dummies on there. I also remember those being on like late night shows occasionally for the entertainment. And it did make me want to try it. And I remember trying my ventriloquism out on my mom and dad and be like, yeah, you know, I'd just say something to them like, make me a ham sandwich. And then I would be like, wait, did you see my lips move? Were my lips moving when I said that? Did you guys see it? <laughs> Was that good? And so I do think I went through a period of, of kind of fascination 
But the dolls themselves, without the guy being funny and without the ventriloquism part, always been creepy. That's never, I've never just wanted the dummy. Well, I, I have to, I'm, I'm going to confess something to you, Travis. I, I definitely wanted a ventriloquist. Like, I wanted that dummy. I don't even, I went through, I think, the same period of time where it's just like, oh, you can't do B's or P's, so you have to, like, kind of fake them and, like, le- learning the little tricks of the trade and all that and mm-hmm. hearing that mentioned in the book being like, hmm, <laughs> us kids that were creepily into moving dolls as children know what he's he's talking about when she says she can't see her say her bees but um oh yeah i i i still want to venture up reading this book was just like oh yeah i would love to have just just triples dummy like sitting behind me at all times so every week that we do the recordings, you would just see a ventriloquist dummy sitting next to me and you you have to believe i i would do various things to make it look like it's moving throughout the podcast i oh that's like a bucket list item like it's mm, endless I just, endless thrill oh, yes man that is a missed opportunity for you specifically uh i mean dolls are always creepy whether you can put your hand up in them or not right why are you punching everything oh you're back oh you do just have a random doll there a yeah. big busty doll it's not wow. busty what are you it's it's a child oh it Ah, ah, just, uh, I think some of the stuffing up top was all scrunched. We're good. I'll just sit her right We're here. We're good. No, don't nope, worry, can't I'll turn see the her. camera. Can't see. Yeah, just let her. Yeah. Oh, you're going to turn the camera. She can keep us company. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, this will be fine. Wow, she's creepy. She's just you're creepy welcome. by herself. Uh, Where did you find store. that? No, I got a thrift store. I wanted, I, I bought some books on how to summon spirits, and I wanted to actually perform a ritual uh to summon a spirit and use the doll as a vessel and then sell it on ebay saying that out loud actually sounds yeah like three bad ideas but one really great idea if you ignore a lot of what i just said i liked the going to the thrift store part i i would also like to say that is not a joke or a bit that is a hundred percent why i bought that doll <laughs> My mom had a room in our house. Uh, it was a bedroom that, you know, uh, we, we had a big family and then, and then they all left and then I was born. And so there was just vacant bedrooms upstairs. She commandeered one complete bedroom for doll storage. And she probably had like a hundred, 150 black eyed dolls just perched in there. It was the worst room to enter. But what I would do, every new friend that came over, I'd be like, Hey, come check this room out. No, follow me in here. It's cool. Don't mind the smell. Just come on in. What do you think of this? And they'd be like, uh, what the fuck? Like, yeah. Anyway, do you want to go play Nintendo? Just just hearing you describe like that bedroom was like the, the opposite, I guess, of the Robert Shaw, uh, the sharks. <laughs> just a room full of dolls. <laughs> sharks eyes. Black as night. Mm-hmm. Uh, just... <laughs> <laughs> black like a shark's <laughs> eyes yeah it's, I, and it's also funny listening to you tell that story because my my dad to this day is terrified of dolls because of the bedroom he stayed in uh, when he went to visit his grandmother which was had uh dolls in display cases just on the far wall opposite of the bed and he said some of them had teeth and that's usually where he just kind of what? leaves off and wanders away. 
But it must be like a southern grandma thing wow. or southern mom thing just to have a room that's just dolls. Well, I I don't know that my mom was that into dolls. I think she she had a couple and then people just would not stop gifting her dolls. I mean, she never went in that room either. <laughs> she shoved them up there just to kind of like, I don't know what to do with all these dolls people get me. I don't want to look at them. They're creepy as hell. She was on our side. She just, she didn't know what to do. But speaking of dolls, Dylan, there is, uh, there's one featured right on the cover of our book today. And this is another, I'm going to, we're, we're, we're getting ready to crack open the book, but first we got to stare at the fine work of Tim Jacobus. We have uh, the original, the 1993 and the 2003, both feature our dummy uh, pretty close to the same covers. And yeah, he looks creepy. He's got uh, he's got some weird pupil stuff going on. I mean, hopefully he didn't look like that when they bought him or well, when they it happens two different ways in the book. They get two dummies. One's found in a trash can, one at a pawn shop. Either way, I don't think I'm taking a dummy that looks like that home, Dylan, not me again. We've 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 discussed the differences between you and I, and it's clear that I am Lin, uh, Lindy. This is the problem. Whenever I I listen to the audiobook instead of looking at this thing, I I start thinking the name no Lindy because I don't hear Lindy as much, and I'm like oh Lindy. Lindsay? Am I leaving out as Lindsay? No, it is Lindy. I'm I'm Lindy of the of the two of us, and you are definitely Chris, uh, who is borderline yeah. doll phobic uh, at the beginning. Yeah. But I would de- yes, a hundred percent. If I saw a full-on ventriloquist dummy in the trash and it hadn't like it didn't have too much in the way of goo on it bat right into my backpack coming home with me straight away i would only take it if it had goo on it that's the kind of guy i was real trash hound but if you're familiar with goosebumps to any extent you've, you've probably heard of slappy uh mr wood is really only featured in this year first book of the night of the living dummy uh series that's in the Goosebumps uh, catalog. And Mr. Wood the is really the, the main feature of this book, but it's Slappy here is rumored to be the doll rendered on the cover. So uh, that's interesting. And on the cover it also says, He walks, he stalks, which I think is kind of fun. He's got a little bow tie. There's not even a point in the book where, like, Slappy is implicated in, in the, uh, the shenanigans. It's never like anyone says, like, oh. Maybe it's that's the evil dummy. Like it's it's always Mr. Wood. So it's it's weird to have Slappy being like the villain on the cover, and then it's like, oh. It's almost like you're trying to be like really trick the kids into looking at the other dummy rather than this dummy, except either way it's terrifying. Who cares which of the two dummies has come to life and is, is terrorizing you? Like It's true. And I don't think it really matters. Which one you think is on the cover because you know the book is going to be about a creepy dummy. You can pretend it's either one, really. It doesn't really matter all that much. Um, and then the 2008 cover, I don't like it. Uh, this was made by, that one was made by a different, um, artist. I, I can't recall the name off the top of my head. Uh, I mean, it seems okay. You get, you get the full feel of the dummy there. It shows the dummy kind of slumped against the wall with an angry look on his face, mouth agape, head hung down, like he's been tossed in the corner of the closet, which will happen a few times in this. Uh, but it, to me, it's just the, just the artistic style I don't like as much as those, uh, old school versions. I actually, I really like this one. I think the, the puppet looks a little too jigsaw-esque. And I think I said that about maybe the the Japanese cover mm, also has kind of a jigsawy looking puppet on. No, it was the the Arabic cover. 
don't know. I, I I kind of like this this different direction and how sinister it looks slumped in the corner, like really pointing out like it's a doll. Or is it? Maybe it's a child. The number of times mm. that child murder is implied in this book is a little disturbing, by the way. It's it's quite a bit. Uh, even pet murder arises nearly at some point. Uh, well, really almost twice. Um, and then, let, well, let's go through the international covers. We got to lead off with our favorite, the UK. I don't mean to be too crass on a podcast talking about Goosebumps books, but this Goosebumps cover from the from the UK does to me look like Opie mid orgasm. Uh, also drowning in a bucket of blue bean juice. So you tell me if that's scary. I don't think it is. I think we need to contact the artist at this point. I need to know what this... It's the same goo. It's different flavors of goo. That's what's concerning me. Is like this is supposed... like like It's a different color every time with right. the same texture. Like some sort of tapioca gone wrong situation. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Wow. I mean, I think they're trying to make him wink, but it doesn't look... I don't know. I mean, it's doing a wink. One eye is open, one eye is closed, but there's just something about it that looks more like the doll is straining in some way rather than trying to be creepy with it. Yeah, it it looks like a mispaint more than... Like, oh, guy ran out of time on that other eye, so it's just like, yep, he's winking. Like, it doesn't look like a three-dimensional, like, his, his <laughs> eyes look painted on. In, in the, That's true. I just, can we move on from the British? I just. Yeah. Well, a good a good number of the international covers do borrow from Tim Jacobus's original. So, you know, even our, we, we, we like to look at the Dutch covers, but this one is just the same. Uh, it doesn't have that, that throwback Babysitter's Club aesthetic this time. It's really just the same. Uh, we get a different version for the French. That one's very French. It's interesting to me how a lot of these really reflect a lot of what I think about when I think of different countries, like artistic styles. Yeah. Uh, this dummy looks more marionette-esque. Is that fair to say, Dylan? I don't know if I'm speaking correctly there, but it definitely has a French flair to it. I mean, I don't know how else you would say that. It, well, it has a more, um, like, it doesn't look like a ventriloquist. No, the, the bottom jaw does move. You can see the lines there. But, um, yeah, it, it definitely has a more, like... Also, like maybe vaudevillian kind of yeah, look, very barely, yeah, but yeah, yeah, just yeah, a really heavily painted. Yeah. And you can see, I think that they were doing the the tragedy comedy faces uh, because it. I actually kind of like the cover because of the girl's expression is just so like, oh yeah, get this thing away from me. Where the the dummy has his creepy smile, and it looks like what is what is her name, Millie Bobby Brown or whatever. It kind of reminds me of her. The um, the young actress from uh, Stranger Things. Yeah, I don't know her name. The young actress from Stranger Things. Whoever played Eleven. It looks like the uh, looks like the the little uh, or the young woman that's on the cover of of the French book Split in Time with our marionette. Uh, the next interesting one, I guess you would say, is Indonesia. What's going on there, Dylan? It looks like it looks like uh, somebody that drew this read the wrong book. They read it from Stephen well, King. Not not only on that, accident, but it it has bear paw. Like it has a bear paw. Like that is clearly the the four front claws <laughs> of a bear's paw sticking out of that jacket. But it's it's it looks kind of like uh, I w- I would say if Rodney Dangerfield was wearing that suit and tie combo, you would not blink twice. Like that's kind of like 
loud comedian clothes to me like right yeah and, uh, with a clown face yeah. not not at all what i would think of as a as a ventriloquist dummy face and hair red hair red hair seeping up out of the coat i don't understand is that is that supposed to be chest hair i don't remember that being a part of the book did our dummies have big old long strands of chest hair i don't recall that i need to see oh uh and the title translates to the living doll in action <laughs> Starring John Claude Van Damme. <laughs> the alternate titles are some of my favorites as as well for these. So uh, as we go along, we might have to read because the Japanese uh, title is also uh, delightful, and also doesn't sound like a bad thing. Like it's the ventri- uh, fantastic ventriloquist doll. Right. It sounds like an opener for my big lit conspiracy improv that we would be opened up by the uh, the fantastic ventriloquist doll. But uh, that one's interesting. You just got the doll kind of sitting on the ledge of the window. Uh, windows open, moonlight in the background. It's got a, uh, I don't know, it's got a pretty interesting aesthetic to it. The doll looks weird. It looks uh, creepily cheerful rather than, <laughs> like, gleefully evil. Yeah. Which I think, like, the American Slappy looks gleefully evil. This looks more creepily cheerful but i feel more sad for that face i want to give that face like a dollar and tell it to go get some gum until you see the shadow that's casting because it is casting the shadow of uh the devil himself um holding a pitchfork oh i didn't even notice that yeah that's a neat little detail actually okay and then of course we have to go to korea because they always if not my favorite, they don't, they don't want to assimilate with the rest of the world. They have to be completely different. It is. I would be pretty, just fucking terrified if I saw that in my kitchen. I'm not gonna like if I heard a noise in my kitchen and I walked out there and from the glow of my now emptied open refrigerator I saw that thing sitting there. I would kill it. I, and I would do it with, yeah. like, I would stomp on it. That That is what I would attempt to do. Like, that would be my gut reaction, seeing, ugh. Yeah, and folks, remember, you can always look at the link in the show notes if you want to follow along with this cover excitement. But uh, this one looks like it was drawn by the, uh, I guess, artist and writer of the, um, is it Arthur's, maybe it's not Arthur, uh, what is this? No good, very bad day. <laughs> Whatever that little kid's book was. But you want know to talk about mm-hmm. it? Kind of has that like yeah. pencil, uh, uh, the kind of almost uh, minimalist color colors. Yeah, like just kind of the yeah. high colors are, are touched up. Um, I think it's Alexander and the terrible, horrible, very bad, no good day, or something like that. Uh, the name of the Korean cover is um, "Laughter of a Wooden uh, Doll." Laughter of a Wooden Doll. Yeah, call them like they see them over there. Utterly terrifying. And uh, I think there's only one more worth talking about, Dylan. I'm going to take it. Uh, I'm going to let you uh, take us through this Arabic cover, which is crazy sauce. I, I think they're also using the same aesthetic as like because uh, this is. I think this came out in 2008, along with the other reprints. Um, so I think this is like they're going with the new jigsawy style. But it's like it has like Slappy leaning out of the the girl's bedroom. There's red paint everywhere. And just in case you thought it was blood, the paintbrush is also... I mean, it could still be blood. Like, he could just be, like, painting That's true. With, with blood. Um, he's got... He's pushed his hands through the slats on the closet door, too. Like, he's he's just broken through there. It's... It's creepy. There's a lot here, right? The more you stare at it, you kind of find something else. 
I, I am going to point out technicality, an error that I've seen on all of these covers. Mr. Stein clearly describes the bow tie as being painted onto his chest. It's true. All of these have actual bow ties. So I'm just going to call BS and say all of these covers are terrible, including the British one, which not only has a cloth bow tie, but the bow tie is white. Yeah. Uh, I do think that's where the reprints got it right. Um, at least the, the North American versions or the, I guess the non Arabic versions. That one looks a little bit painted on, or at least looks as though it is wooden with paint on it. I'll give them two points for that. All right. Well, that was the cover, folks. Hope you enjoyed that, because now I think it's time to get in this freaking book, Dylan. So, Travis, yeah. before I, I really dive into this, I have to say uh, there's a, a small amount of dread each time where I wonder... Am I going to hate these children? Am I going to be stuck yeah. with a sorry for the entire book? And <laughs> I have to say that I think sorry has met her match in terms of the absolute worst child on this or any other planet. But we'll we'll meet. Let's let's meet her as we met her in the book. We get started <laughs> right off in chapter one, meeting a, a new set of, of, of siblings. We've had uh, older sister, younger brothers, uh, like older brother, younger brother. Now, not only that, or do we have two sisters, but twins. Twin sisters. Twins, our first twins. We have to commemorate first time in the series. And twins, I, we did it. I'm assuming they're they're fraternal twins because he said they they look almost identical, which makes me think like, well, then are if they don't if they look almost identical, are you just saying because of the hair? Or are you saying because they're not identical twins? I never could figure that out. It kind of drove me crazy, to be honest with you. It's like I'm, I'm a, never brings it up again. There's never a point where them being twins matters. I think he just needed two girls the same age. And have some reason in the same house. why they would be competing with each other at, at all times. Right. Yeah. Uh, so we, uh, and we're sure order, we, we get to meet their their mom. Uh, the mom is going to be the, the predominant parent figure. Usually it seems like one parent is is central through these books. And Miss Mrs. Powell is also my least favorite parent, I think, in any of the books. Uh, and we'll get to that in a little Moody. bit. Moody. Uh, Moody. She is... There's a reason that one of her daughters is a sociopath, and it's because she is also a sociopath. <laughs> There's, there, I'm going to bring it up now. There is a point where either Lindy or Chris says, uh, like, the their mom says, Oh, you did very nice. I thought it was funny. And Lindy's like, oh, Mom never gives compliments to your children? Like, not just, like, in yeah. general, but her own children are not used to their mother complimenting them. Oh my god. I get that. Like from one I moment you just like understand what's going on in this house. I wonder why the twins are trying to constantly compete with one another to get the one compliment their mom will give out every year. Like it's Christmas. This year it's June 13th. I'm sorry. I'm I'm I completely whew. I'm just I was it was so familiar with Mrs. I almost called her mommy once while reading this oh. book. She um you just she definitely reminds me of my mother. Well, does uh, uh does 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 uh does Barky 
remind you of anyone who's who's not a a, a, a cocker spaniel this time? Um, but the names are getting worse <laughs> for for the dogs. Um, the the names are getting worse. The breeds are getting a little more diverse. So we do have a black terrier named Barky. And that's just the signal that anything named in the rest of the series is going to be at least that bad. Barky is the name of a dog. Uh, we're we're about one or two names short of just calling the dog dog. Like we're that close. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Oh, and Sydney is in full flight today. Uh, so the mom has has a moment of just like get out of the house. I'm not even going to be in the house. But you two are driving me crazy because they're they're doing their usual competing thing, which we find out where they're trying to one up each other about just the the what they say is the most insane stuff, but it actually seems pretty normal one upmanship, uh, as you'll see. Right. Um, but there is a, a, a strong competitive streak between the two. So Chris is Chris seems to be the slightly more nicer one at from the beginning because her mom is just like hey let's let's uh get out of the house you just get out of here stop fighting go do something and chris tries to talk lindy into uh, going on the bikes maybe going out the playground see if that cute boy's there that she likes and uh mm. you know just just get out and lindy finally drops what she's doing they all head on out and they pass by a construction site which they talk about all the stuff they did as the house because there was there used to be a house that was torn down and then they put down the foundations and how both Chris and Lindy are fascinated with this and walking through the house and looking at the floor plans. And they realize now there's no builders, so they're just going to scoot on over also and, and check out the house now that more of the walls are up and they can actually get a, a good look at what's what's going on. And again, I'm on board with, with the kids so far because that would have also been me. It's like, oh, we can get into like a, yeah. a mostly built house like there's nothing more exciting right. than a, most of a house. <laughs> That's true. I mean, and it's kind of a hideaway if you're a kid. No one's going to be there sometimes. So you could always go hang out and hide and smell sawdust. They like the smell of sawdust, which my dad had a wood shop, and I thought sawdust smelled like old cheese and my dad's farts. Although some of that could have been my dad's farts. Yeah, I, I, but I, I don't think I don't it, really like the smell of sawdust. Oh, I love the smell much. of sawdust. So. Hmm. Do you? Hmm. Hmm. Maybe at first. Depends on the. It honestly depends on the tree. I'll say that. That's fair. I'll give you that. You know, I, I, I too do not like the smell of. My dad always used fart trees. Yeah, that's. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a bad sign that we immediately went for that. The, the dreaded <laughs> fart tree. Can you imagine the Lorax that would speak for that tree? It was probably your dad. Actually, <laughs> just <laughs> thinking of that. Uh, but they, uh, so they're 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 exploring the house, and checking it out, and then. They hear they hear pitter patter, mm. footsteps on on the second floor. Something something's scurrying around upstairs in the house, and I'm. But it's I'm, not Barky. And it, well, you'd hear the attacking toenails, right? Like if it's uh, if it's dog, they don't have. That's true. If it's a dog. Nails, yeah. yeah. I immediately assumed, obviously, because I read the cover of the book, that this was a dummy. And <laughs> yeah. I don't know why this is such a visceral thing for me but thinking of doll's feet running across the floor that gets me a little bit like i'm not scared of dolls weird right but thinking of the sound of tiny footsteps just yes i i don't need that necessarily that's i i if that if i heard something like that running around in my attic i would lock the attic door and that would be the last time we ever went up there and we would be looking for a new place just i 
I don't blame you. And there's something too, like toddlers don't have a very rhythmic run because they're toddlers. So they're drunk. They're like drunk people. You can kind of tell when a toddler's coming, but <laughs> something about like the controlled gait of a pitter patter of a shoed, a shoe wearing doll skittering across your floor or your, you know, above you. That's. And that's kind of – I'm with you. I was like, uh-oh, already we're yeah. getting doll action this early in the book? Yeah, I, I don't want to hear, like, the sure stride of a killer but child-sized. That's upsetting to me. Like, I don't I don't want to think about that. We're just going to move along. But but luckily, Arles Stein remembers stay out of the basement. And he's just like, you know oh, what yeah. made those, those, little, those little pitter-pat sounds? It's just a squirrel. Just a just a little squirrel. They see a squirrel like outside, and they're like, "Oh, squirrel's probably in the house." Left the house. Chris isn't convinced. Chris is like, you get this feeling that Chris is a little more paranoid. Like she's a little more defensive yeah. about stuff. As as it comes along, you'll you'll be like, Chris bought into some things real quick. But so Chris is like, I think that was a little too heavy for a squirrel. But who cares? Like, what's the worst it could be? Then Lindy, girl after both of our own hearts, spots something cool in a dumpster. And just like <laughs> books it. She she goes to that dumpster. She's excited. Goes in there. Pulls something out. And Chris is just horrified at what she sees in Lindy's hands. Dun, dun, dun. And Chris. I'm workshopping. Of course, we're in chapter two. I'm, I'm workshopping the dun, dun, dun. So I'm going to. I'm. That's good. Yeah. No, you did good. That was your first one. Yeah. That was pretty good. Uh, Chris. Uh. And, and we all maybe would think it's a child. You know, she's holding a, Lindy's holding a dummy. Chris thinks, oh God, do you have, is that a child of some sort? And what makes me kind of laugh in retrospect is Lindy booking it to the trash can, hoping that she's seeing a child. <laughs> Which I can believe. And then disappointed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Given the sociopath that we'll, uh, we'll find out she is later. But, uh, it is, it's just a dummy. Okay. We've seen it on the cover. Okay. We, we've met. We've met a dummy. It's a ventriloquist dummy. It's in perfect shape, they say, which is wild because it was in a dumpster. Well, how did it get there? We will never. We may never know. Who the would throw away a perfectly good ventriloquist dummy? Exactly. Who? Not me. I would definitely not do that. But she immediately names it Slappy. Doesn't even give it a second thought. She's like, "Yeah, it's great. I'll just name this. I'll just name this thing Slappy right now. Let's do it right now. I'm not going to workshop it. I'm not going to take it home first and think about it. This is Slappy <laughs> the doll." I thought that was wild. I was like, damn, Lindy's just firecracker. You know, she's always, she's very assertive. Um, and then she starts teasing Chris with it. And Chris is not into it. She's like, I thought it was a child less than a minute ago. Now you're teasing me with, I don't like, I don't like where this is going. And on the way back from this house, they're, they're ready to go home. They found, you know, Lindy's got loot. She's ready to go home, play with it. Um, and she's already, you know, Using it as a as a ventriloquist doll, having a little fun, and then they run into two kids that they used to babysit just walking down the street, and uh, you know little kids love they love when big kids entertain them, right? And so Lindy she uses the doll, entertains the two kids. Two kids love it. Oh my gosh, hee hawing, laughing, giggling, just having a good time. That gives Lindy all the confidence she needs to ruin Chris's life over the rest of this book. She sees this, she's like, oh. I can get laughs out of this? I can get attention out of this? Heck yeah, dude. I'm going to be a ventriloquist. And 
Lindy immediately sees that sees Chris a little creeped out by the whole thing. Maybe correctly reads that Chris is a little jealous too. Like saw that attention and relishing it a little bit. Like, oh, Chris is jealous of me now because they're very competitive, identical twins looking for that unique identity. And uh, Chris kind of shoots a look over at Slappy. He's like, I don't know, there's something about that doll. He's got this. It's called R.L. Stein refers to it as a wide, knowing grin. And it's, it reminds me of that grin that my, my daughter makes when she rips one. And I look over <laughs> at her and I'm like, yeah. So I, maybe Slappy ripped one. But either way, this whole thing is, I mean, it, it, this isn't a creepy cliffhanger in chapter two, but it just kind of sets the tone of, we already know our main protagonist doesn't feel good about this doll. Let's see where this is going to go. So on to chapter three we go. Dum dum dum. I want to know if you're a little, as someone who's who's been podcasting, working to build those audiences, working to build those connections, working to like get that recognition. How much did you want to slap Lindy who gets booked day one to do a birthday party? Yeah. Like her sky, like there the VH1 behind the the music for like Lindy's climb to stardom. Like, I'm assuming that's going to go musical at some point. Like, she's going to ditch Slappy. She's going to try <laughs> yeah, and go yeah, solo, yeah. do a pop star thing. Um, But, like, just immediately, she's going to go, uh, go to the Marshall Kids Mom, 20 bucks to do their their birthday party? 20 bucks. And, like, with this inflation, ninety three twenty bucks. Yeah, $3,000. I looked it up. $3,000. Yes, she could have bought a used Trans Am. For the amount of money she's going to get from the marshals to do this party with this freaking dummy. I was blown away, Dylan. It was actually, you're right. I was as, if not more jealous than Chris of Lindy reading that she got a gig just by walking into the house with a doll. Uh, it's, you know, oh, and I think R.L. Stein did something, uh, smart, which is we don't get a lot of Lindy's act. We don't know the what her 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 act is, the jokes, the gags, the bombs she's dropping. Like, what exactly is killing mm. the audience? So it's always left to our it's imagination great point. about how she's slaying these audiences. You just have to t- take take Arlstein's word for it. And then I f- I feel the real tragedy is that he does the jokes that he wrote for for, for Chris. Chris. Yeah, yeah, but. Yeah. So, the- but you're right. That was a good a good decision on his part. It, it did add an element of mystique. We'll never. We know Lindy was great. Even Chris says so. But we'll never know how funny she was. Except she keeps getting those gigs, like thirty bucks. For- oh, spoilers. I'm sorry. Whew. But <laughs> so, like, and this is the real test because I don't know if if you remember being twelve. I I would never have been brave enough to bring a ventriloquist oh, dummy no. to middle school Mm-mm. and uh try out my new act i i in college i did a, a speech on voodoo and i didn't even want to bring in the voodoo doll i had and i was 22 years old wow it i i, I wow. was in college for like six years as an undergrad but i i didn't even want to walk around with my own haircut or belly you think i'm going to bring a doll into this yeah there's no way Mm-mm. but the kids love it. That's the other thing. Well, you kind of find out later that the some of their friends are like, isn't. but like apparently just random kids in the hall are like, yeah, ventriloquist dummy. Wow. Oh, and it moves. I mean, think back to school, Dylan. You know, we, we were talking about ourselves, but if you saw someone else in school with a ventriloquist dummy, 
I'm not gravitating toward that person. No. Even if I, th- even, you know, no. the better they are at it, the worse <laughs> I don't like them. I'm like, no. There's some, I mean, some of it's jealousy. Like, oh, look, you're getting all the attention because you're skilled at something and I'm just fat and bad at Quake. But the, the interesting thing is like, to me, if you brought the dummy to school and you were bad at it, I would think you were hilarious. I'm immediately your best friend. I'm like, dude, <laughs> this guy, this guy Seth brought this dummy to school today. So, and it, he was so bad at it. We played with that thing all day long. I mean, that's a story I would share. The better at it you are, the worse of, the more of a sociopath I think you are. I'm sorry, ventriloquist. I just think that. Man, like you, you hit uh, ventriloquist crowd today. I, I hit Virginia Beach and a couple other cities. Like and the Venn diagram for for fans, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> ventriloquist and living in Virginia Beach is pretty. It is the they they they, they call that the capital. So the, the, the capital of we've really just wiped that off the map. Yeah, capital of ventriloquist. Wow, yeah. I I didn't say that. That was Travis. I know we sound identical, just like these two daughters. <laughs> but I had to put the Boston in there to like. No, we're different people. Don't worry. Uh we sure are. But what turns. What really turns Chris from being like, I hate Slappy, too. I need my own wood, is she sees that her crush, Robbie, <laughs> is... Do you like what I did there? You like what I did there? That's, yeah. Uh, yeah, they're wooden dolls. Yeah. And, it's um, and yeah. Uh, Robbie, he loves this dummy, which to me is like... Either Robbie is like me, and maybe... She needs to be a little concerned about the like his interest in the dummy. Like, does he want it? Does he want to put things into it? Like, mm. <laughs> so immediately, the sheer audacity of Chris. Not only what she does, but the timing of it is amazing to me. Because she goes, the, the they go home. She's sulking. She's slowly turning the wheels. You know what? I like dummies. I want a dummy. I need to get a dummy. Where's my dummy? Like she's turned this into like I can't believe I don't have one. Her parents are like, Lindy, show us what your dummy, like, show us your act. And while Lindy is going upstairs to get her dummy, about to show her parents her performance for the first time, that's when Chris is like, I want a dummy. Lindy comes down, yes. show canceled, basically, at that point. Yes. It is a masterful move on Chris's part to sabotage Lindy completely. And it's only later that we find out that Lindy is the real master at this game. But it was a nice early effort from Chris that I think set the stage for later. <laughs> it was. She had me at the start. I was like, Chris, dude, back down. But later in the book, I was like, no, you had every right. You had every right, <laughs> you, girl. You, you should have gone further because you, you missed your opportunity to hurt <laughs> yeah. her before she could get you. But uh, so there's there's a little fighting. They're going back and forth. Lindy calls Chris a ca- uh, copycat. And you you kind of get the feeling that that's probably actually true. Because yeah. Chris doesn't really come I mean, back. Lindy's not wrong here. No, th- this is a complete copycat move. When when Chris went this way, I was just like, Chris, come on, you had me in your corner, and now yeah. now you're kind of being a little shit. Like, yeah, let, exactly. Let, let your sister have her things. You have your things. But uh, Chris is Chris is like, hey, I want a dummy. Lindy's got a dummy, and her parents are like, dummies are too expensive. Share the dummy. The the decision that makes literally <laughs> no one happy. The worst decision. And which results in the first glimmer that maybe something is going on deep within the recesses of Lindy's sociopathic brain. This is the beginning. But we don't know yet. Oh, right, right. It could be slappy, too. Yeah. So. You don't know yet. The parents are like, share the doll. Stop yelling. Just. 
Chris goes to, goes to get slapped. He's like, can I hold him? She asks nicely. She's not being like, give me the doll. Mom said it's okay. And you know how she gets. She says, and she's like, can I hold him for a little bit? Lindy starts to hold out the doll. And then Slappy's like, you moron. And just slaps her. Like across the face. Yeah. Just five, just five yeah. across the eyes from a wooden hand. Oh. Dun, dun, Slap. dun. That was more like Law and Order. Man. I don't, I don't like that. It was, yeah. But that's okay because Chris just got Rick James bitch by <laughs> Slappy, and I'm naturally upset because you don't think it's the doll; it's the person whose hand is up inside the doll, and so obviously she's very upset at Lindy over the Slappy assault, over this slap. You know, she called him Slappy for a reason. Mm-hmm. She saw those. She's going to slap those, those meaty paws. She knew what they were for. Yeah, those bear claws they have in was it Indonesia? <laughs> oh, maybe that's what the that's referencing. It's just like, oh yeah, maybe those hands will hurt. That's what you slappers. picture when uh, she gets slapped in the book is is a grizzly bear just raking its paws across <laughs> her face. But Lindy pleads innocence. She's like, ah, but it was slappy. Which, come on, Lindy, it's horseshit. Your hand was up inside the doll, and you hit your sister with it because you're upset. We we know the answer here. And Mister Powell, Dad, who's I can't figure him out sometimes. He's he kind of borderlines like being an assertive parent and just being a tired parent. But well, he's not a very fat he, he, dad. He's described as no lean we, uh, at one point. Yeah, we we got our. I think we can celebrate that too. We have our first identical twins and our first lean dad. Yeah. But he forces Lindy to apologize, and he says, "You hand over the doll. You apologize to your sister for smacking her upside the face with the doll that I told you guys to share." And Lindy is is very upset. She's still like all on this copycat thing, and I mean, kind of understandable. You know, she lashed out too far, but she's upset and in front of her parents. So the girl, you know, like and, right. Well, you so you forget that first she she did the bullshit. And was like, say you're sorry to your sister. It's like mm. and then she makes laughing. Go, I'm sorry. And she's like, no, <laughs> you know that's not what we meant. Don't insult our intelligence. Don't waste our time. Right. Brave. I mean, again, at this point in the book, I still think Lindy's in the right and uh, a little bit and a bit of a tantrum, but I get it. Chris is a little more whiny. Uh, so the girls, they break it up. They send her by to bed. You know, no dummies tonight. We've, we're dumbed out. And so, um, that night, Chris wakes from a, a bad dream, having a bad dream there and kind of, you know, a little bit of gl- some light in the room. Looks up over the sheets where Slappy's sitting uh, on a bench sort of across the room and uh, sees Slappy staring at her. Now, dolls stare. There's a doll staring at me right now beside Dylan, you know? It's just a natural thing. Dolls mostly stare. It's really all they're capable of. So that's not too alarming, but it, it unsettles Chris. She thinks that it's more of a sinister look. Um, and so she gets up and she goes over to him. Something compels her to do this. Maybe she's going over there to turn the head away. That might be what I would have done. Like, I don't want this thing looking at me all night. I was turn, make it face the wall or something. But she goes over, touches him. He feels, yeah, just make him look over. Uh, but he feels warm. Huh, that's weird. Dolls aren't supposed to feel warm. Ain't got no blood in there, no heart beating. What's going on with that? And then she thinks she hears him snicker. Thinks she hears a he. I don't know how he would snicker, but uh, to me, it, it's it's like a 73-year-old smoker voice constantly so the snicker would be like yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but she decides you know what um and somehow she decides this 
after she's had a bad dream and then just interacted with a doll that laughed at her, she's like, uh, I'm going to go back to bed. But Slappy grabs her wrist. Uh-oh, what the dun-dun-dun? I'm going to read your notes as is for the first time ever. Uh, Lindy was being a dick. Yeah, being a dick. And this is this is the train where it starts diverging to which which sister I'm I'm kind of rooting for because <laughs> Lindy yeah. doesn't stop the whole like <laughs> gotcha again over and over again and then the long con that you you have to know is coming. <sighs> well, you know what? We'll take things as they come. Uh, so Chris went on to have more bad dreams. Uh, like something's chasing her, probably with this, the little tiny pitter patter of tiny patent leather shoes running across asphalt, and you know wakes up. She's not happy. No one else is happy, but but she doesn't have a great night, and the day kind of goes by without much else going on. I can't remember if they go to school or whatever, but it wasn't exciting enough a day to talk about. Meanwhile, like. <laughs> It's dinner time. Mom and dad are, are, are making uh, meatloaf. Dad drops the classic joke about, you know, it's a great way to keep uh, onions from making you cry when you cut them. I wish I knew it. But um, <laughs> While he and mom are both just sobbing over onions. I I, I love that scene. That actually cracked me up. Yeah. No, that, that was like a good a good little moment uh, where I'm just, yeah, that, that is that's that's a scene. That I still reenact with my wife just constantly every time we cut onions because I, I have very delicate eyes, um, and she wears. I'm glasses. sad about the plight of onions personally. Okay. If you wear glasses, it it helps actually a lot. Do you know what that is? Oh. Do you know why cutting onions makes your your eyes hurt? It's horrifying. No. So uh, is it because uh, your parents don't love you? Uh, that's why your onions made you cry, Travis. Um, oh. <laughs> But I'm why start, is I'm it? gonna start billing you for this time that we're together. <laughs> so uh, no, uh, onions contain uh, high amounts of uh, of sulfur. That's why uh, sweet onions uh, uh, are sweet because they're actually grown in soil that has the low concentrations of, of sulfur in the soil. So when you cut open a standard onion that is filled with sulfur, uh, it releases a, sulf- a sulfuric gas, and when it meets your eyes and mucous membranes, it creates sulfuric acid. So it is literally. Uh, melting your eyeballs. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Nice. Those are the that only facts cool. I collect. That and uh, early Christian church history, which is very fascinating. Uh, we can talk about that later. Um, we won't. Off off air. Off air. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. But, uh, so Chris Chris bails on the the the, the situation of, of the kitchen the the cooking goes up to her room and she sees something that makes her blood run cold. Not only is there Slappy, but there is another dummy sitting right next to him. And Chris says, what is going on here? Bum, bum, bum. 
I'm like, holy shit! Did Slappy clone himself, or did he invite somebody over? I'm gonna be I'm gonna be honest here. Uh, this is just more sign that there's actually three dummies in this house. Because if I saw that there was another dummy in my bedroom after I'd asked my parents for a dummy, my immediate thought would be Slappy brought his friend over to kill us in our sleep. Because <laughs> that's apparently yeah. where her brain went. Yeah, definitely not to. Oh, I guess dad was dad loves me and bought me my own dummy. No, she was very afraid. Uh, but no, it's a new dummy, likely made by the same company. Says dad. Uh, he's but you know, they looked a little different. Uh, Dylan, do you recall what those differences are? I didn't. I didn't take note. So but I, they were able to. Remember. He, he was he was dressed uh, basically like he was a fan of like Nirvana, and he really like he was wearing a plaid shirt, got the Converse. Like he was he was kind of like doing sort of a grunge look, but like maybe not really sure about what because I don't think Converses are really part of the grunge. But definitely the plaid plaid yeah. shirt had bright red hair. Like he was, he was he was dressed he was casual you know he's a little more casual than Slappy right. like but he's he's the kind of teacher that wants you to call him by his first name and probably should be reported to the principal for indiscretions. All right, very good. Uh, and much the way that uh, Lindy named Slappy again without workshopping it or thinking about it for a minute, uh, Chris immediately immediately leaps to Mister Wood. I don't uh what why. Why? Why are you naming it Mr. Wood? You, you named your dog Barky. You named the dog Barky, didn't you, Chris? <laughs> At least Slappy doesn't reference the fact that, like, what he's... Like, Slappy is kind of a... It's it's a clown name. Like, you know, it's it's a, a comedy yeah, name. Yeah, but Bozo, it's not, Slappy. Mr. Yeah. Wood is a little on the nose. The the Pinocchio nose. Like, because it's... Mm, yeah. Ugh, I yeah. actually feel bad about myself. I'm sorry. That wasn't great. No. But, you know, mm. what I think is interesting is that Mr. Wood has, you know, you're calling him Mr. That's sort of a distinguished title you're giving him. But Slappy is the one wearing the gray suit. You know, I feel like Slappy should be wearing the flannel and the high top sneakers. Yeah. We're, we're, we're thinking about it too much. But you get the point. Like, it seems flipped. It seems reversed. But at any rate, uh, Dad says, you know, <clears throat> uh, Chris comes downstairs uh, with, uh, she says, hey, everybody, meet Mr. Wood. And dad, uh, you know, being a good dad, he's like, yeah, I saw it at a, saw it at a pawn shop. It was super cheap, sitting in the window. It was priced to move. Uh, it's almost, I mean, it's like they basically just had it out in the dumpster, you know? It's just, there's just dolls. People are just trying to get rid of them around here. Um, and the kids have a bit of an argument. They're competitive, right? So they're arguing over who's going to be better with their doll. Lindy's already got a head start. She's got gigs. Chris, just, Chris, not even really that interested, just wanted the attention that Lindy was getting. I don't think she's as passionate about ventriloquism mm-hmm. as a Lindy, but, um, but that's that. So then a day later, Chris invites her friend Cody Matthews over to be her audience while she does some practice. And now, if you recall in the intro to the episode, Dylan was our friend Cody, who doesn't laugh at our jokes. And, Cody uh, is, to me personally, a problem. I don't <laughs> give me a sympathy laugh, you know. Give me a pity laugh. Let me see. Like, are you just? Are you just show me you're, you even enjoy my company? It doesn't have to be all about the jokes I make. I, I feel like you gave Cody's him a critique. A, you gave him like a, a one sentence review, which is he's not interact, wants to leave. Like it just seems like fuck Cody. Like that's that's how that reads to me. Like you know what? Be a better friend, Cody Matthews. 
I empathize with Chris. You know, she's just getting started out. She's got her doll and really wants to, you know, try some stuff out. She's worked, she's been working on some material and Cody comes over and he's just not interested. Um, and Chris says, you know what I need? I need more. And this is where I depart from Chris a little bit and agree with Lindy. Uh, Chris thinks she needs more joke books to be funnier than Lindy. And she brings that up later and Lindy's like, no, I don't use joke books to come up with my own stuff. And I'm like, yeah, that's how you should do it. Honestly, Chris, if you don't, if you don't have it, don't be looking through the joke books. But, uh, anyway, later when she meets up with Lindy and she's like, uh, uh, telling her that, uh, Hey, Cody came over and I, I tried my, uh, my act out on him and, uh, boy, that Cody laughed a ton. I never seen Cody laugh. So he, he was laughing so hard. I thought he was going to die. He's laughing so much at the stuff that I was doing. And Lindy's like, uh, sure. Well, what's, what's but, even uh, funnier is like Lindy says, uh, he, uh, I didn't even know he had a sense of humor. Like, just, yeah. <laughs> like why'd you pick him for, yeah, your, it's like, for your jokes? Seriously. Yeah. You could have tried it out on a tree, I guess. <laughs> um, I know there's one over in Deadfalls that fell over <laughs> laughing. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> only you would call back a tree at the <laughs> we need to, we need to <laughs> our, our therapy sessions are actually going to be about you getting getting over that tree that tree impacted me in several ways but you know they they do their bickering as kids who's going to be better okay and uh lindy's lindy's pretty cocky at this point in the book but they put Slappy and Mr. Wood together on a, I'm imagining like a little bench near the foot of their bed or somewhere in their room. And uh, in the morning, when they wake up, Mr. Wood, gone. <gasps> dum, dum, dum. This is where things are, are interesting for me because it's, uh, so far... Literally nothing supernatural has happened. So, but you know the title of the book. What is the title of this book? I know it's pro- it's it's probably backwards for you, but like it's Night of the Living Dummy, so it's got to be the dummy, right? Yeah, it's got to be. If you think about the fact that nothing supernatural has happened, the answer to this cliffhanger is one of four people: <laughs> mom, dad, right. Lindy, or you. Did you do it? Did mom or dad do it? <laughs> Who did it then? <laughs> but, uh, so Chris goes to Lindy and she's like, Lindy, you need, to, you need to fess up right now. Did you take Mr. Wood? And Lindy's like, no, golly gee willikers, Chris. If, uh, if I was going to b- borrow Mr. Wood, I'd tell you. And uh, she just, Chris is just like, well, you know what? That sounded legitimate to me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I ever doubted you, Lindy. So where did Mr. And then she finds Mr. Wood wearing Chris's clothes. Yeah. And now they're wrinkled. Strange. They're all wrinkled. And Chris that, that's is upsetting. Chris is furious. Like when I first read this, I was I was I was going along with it. You know, I I had the audiobook reader, so she's she's fired up. I'm fired up. I'm thinking about this now. It's just small child's clothes. Child's clothes. Yeah, child. Yeah, just like three swipes of an iron, and they're probably done. Like just Chris, let it go. Yeah, and also let it go. Who did it? 
It's probably your mom. Chris. It's probably your mom. Dun, dun, dun. I, I can't. I dun, can't. Dun, dun, dun. <sighs> who, who did it? Who who moved the doll and put Chris's clothes on it? Is this the scariest thing that's ever happened to Chris in her life? Seems Apparently. like maybe it would be, according to her. <laughs> uh, but flash forward. Flash forward. Um, the sisters, Chris and Lindy, and a couple of their friends, Alice and uh, our pal Cody, who refuses to understand jokes, uh, they're all hanging out while Chris is practicing <laughs> with Mr. Wood. And uh, Lindy, she's kind of giving Chris a hard time. You know, Lindy's more practiced at this point, maybe has a more natural sense of humor. Chris is trying her best, but Lindy's giving her a hard time, talking down to her, being patronizing, you know, trying to be like, trying to take over for her and show her how to do things, but not, not really being kind about it. She's like, here, let me show you how to hold Mr. Wood. And she, she picks him up it. and no, is holding. She jerks it out of her hands. Like Lindy, like, right. pulls it yeah. from her. Like, hey, you're fucking it up. Let me show you how to do it right. That's how Lindy probably talked. She she does talk like uh, she grew up in Southie. But uh, in showing her how to hold him, you know, she's trying to go over some instructions. She makes the doll, or we think she makes the doll say, uh, you're a jerk. You're a stupid jerk, stupid moron. Get lost, stupid jerk, in a low, growly voice. And Dylan, I know you're a, you're a horror movie buff, and I mean, you don't have to be a horror movie buff to get this reference, but any time that R.L. Stein described the dolls talking, I immediately thought of uh, the, the girl from The Exorcist and the way she talked when she was possessed. <laughs> that's uh. That would be that would be good too. Yeah. No, I I that's a, like this low growly high pace like you're a jerk. You're a stupid jerk, stupid moron. Like I kind of imagined it in in that. Uh and the kids are in shock and Lindy swears Mr. Wood did this himself. I did not. Did you see am I that good of a ventriloquist that I can sound demented and possessed? Uh wasn't me. Your doll's crazy. Is that true? I don't know. Chris is unsure. Lindy seems believable. Dum, dum, dum. Even like Cody and Alice are seem to like, like Cody's like, whoa, guys, what's going, what's going on here? Yeah. Like, please tell me it's a. Someone just called me a loser. He thinks they're talking to him. Please tell me it was just a joke, you guys. I can't handle this. I'm not, I don't want to show our hand too much, but. Lindy does a, a smart thing here, and instead of, like, playing it up anymore, she's just, I can't deal with this anymore, and she just removes herself from the scene. That's good. You don't want to overplay it, like, if you're pulling a long con. Like, yeah. you did your business, you dropped it, you backed out, walked away. Good. You set the hook, right. put the bait on the hook, now you're going to let it simmer out in the water. That's and simmer it, in the water. That's how you fish. You let it simmer I've, I've been in the cold water. Three or four times. and I can tell. No, I can tell. Uh, you hold the fishing pole like this, right? Yeah. Uh, you can. But uh, she leaves. Plus, she's late to her gig. She timed it pretty good there, too. She's like, oh, my gig. Bye. Got to go to this. The, 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 <laughs> I think this is the, the party, the first birthday party. So, so she's actually working her first gig today. Yeah, and I'm upset that she she's 12 and can say she has gigs. I really want that life. I'm 37. I can't can't get a gig. I need gigs. You have a gig next week. I do have improv gigs. 
Okay, I'm sorry. I, I forgot that improv gigs aren't real gigs. I'll go let Amy I, and Kevin know that's I how ju- you feel. Just I, I just said I forgot. You re- I'm, you I'm recorded. Good. I, you record. You're on record now. You're, there are. No I just remembered. I have gigs. <laughs> but anyway, wait. Are, are you good? Or is it my turn? Sorry. No, it's still my turn. What are you talking about? So, Lindy, oh. I have spent three hours on the first sentence. So, Lindy books it to her gig. Chris goes home, and she's basically moping. She she knows what's going on. Lindy's killing. These these eight-year-olds are eating that up. Eight-year-olds are a pretty easy audience. As long as they don't turn on you, you just need to st- you know keep them on your side. Keep them on your side, and you're good, from what I understand. <sighs> Lindy comes back, and she's glowing. She's had rave reviews. Variety. New York Times. Everyone's talking about her and her performance and, and, and Slappy. They've killed this birthday party in the best possible way. She didn't just get $20. She got $25. Oh, they, they gave her extra money for nothing. And you know why? It's because they looked into how much a magician would cost, found out it'd be like 100 bucks, and they're like, <laughs> yeah, we'll pay $20 for the because Thanks. That's, that's really how that birthday party situation went down. <laughs> Or she's great. I don't know. And uh, but did some networking at the party. Once again, Lindy's a smart cookie. She's excited. She's about to leave the room. Basically, the whole time Chris is doing it. Oh, I'm glad it went well. Good, good job, Lindy. Like she's trying to, you know, the best she can. We'll give Chris that much. But as I feel like Lindy is like. Just the whole time she's backlit, framed in the door, just like looking down at Chris, telling her about her triumphs. And she's about to turn and leave through the door. And But Chris is like, oh, we went to the mall. And while we were there, I booked a gig. And Lindy just mind blown. Because now Chris is going to be working the school spring concert. Live performance an audience of a hundred parents. Wow. Booked it. They didn't even have to hear her act. She was like, I've got a dummy. And they're like, how much do you charge? She's like, I don't know. Free. Good. Boom. She, she didn't talk about getting any money off this gig. Uh, I feel like this is. She didn't. Yeah. She just wanted that exposure. Yeah. Ooh. It's the stakes. Yeah. I mean, it's a spring spring concert. School's not going to pay you. No. You know, it's. That's, that's it's, true. They, they barely have enough money for the actual concert uh, it's 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 yeah. 20 kids on stage with recorders that they had to share with every other child uh that year it's whew. i was sorry i was thinking about music class in third grade but uh you know they go to dinner do whatever they do after dinner brush your teeth get ready for bed come back into the bedroom and the dolls the dolls what? have moved again, Travis. Only this time. On their own? Oh, yeah. Because there's only one way that this could have happened. No human being could stack books like this, Travis. And there's no way that two dummies couldn't be placed like this with human hands. Because what they see, things have escalated. Before is dresses and funny gags. 
But Mr. Wood's out to kill, and he's got Slappy by the throat, and he's throttling him. I bet you if they do an autopsy, that hyroid bone is going to be broke clean in two, buddy. <laughs> oh, hopefully they can get there in time. Dun-dun-dun! Man, I hope so, too. Call 911. My dummy's upside down. Uh, but... You know, the girls kind of come together in this moment. They admit, oh, my God, we're scared. What's going on with the dolls? Oh. And they want to tell mom what's going on. Let's go tell mom. Let's get let's get a parent involved with these dolls. She'll believe it. She's Remember, you know how she loves us and is always showing her love to us? She'll totally believe that. Um and uh, so they go. They go into the bedroom where mom's reading. I think dad might be out of town for for yeah, a few days a in this book. I don't think. Yeah, so dad's not around. Mom is is by herself in the bed reading a Stephen King novel, not unlike you know what I imagine Dylan does most nights. And mom must be deep in this book because it reminds me of my mom whenever she was deep in a book, and I'd be like, "Hey mom, hey mom," and just brought up something stupid like, "Mom, my dummy's upside down." Um. Very annoyed. Just basically just tell just fuck off. Go put I'm sick of you guys competing all the time. Just just leave me alone. Just put the dolls away. It's fine. And Chris is like, I need to we got I guess we gotta separate these dolls, you know, like the old offspring song, gotta keep them separated. So she takes one, throws it over in the old closet. And she's not very graceful with these dolls. Just kind of, she really does just kind of toss them around. She probably tossed them into the closet. Oh yeah. And later that night, yeah, later that night they go. She goes to sleep, and uh, weirdly, this is kind of like a weird detail that pops up. But her nightshirt gets twisted and starts preventing circulation around her. Have you ever been like? I don't. I usually sleep in the buff, but uh, you know, I mean, no matter where I'm at, like if I fall asleep in my car, I'll usually strip down. But like, oh yeah, understood. I've been tangled up in some clothes before, and you know that that weird feeling of like oh, I'm being restricted. You just kind of imagine like, what if the doll was doing it? We don't really know. She doesn't really catch the doll doing it, but it's just kind of a weird detail. Like, is the doll doing it? Did a doll jump in bed and try to like strangle her or something like that? But she does awake in the morning to find that the doll, Mister Wood, who she put in the closet, is now back. Sitting beside Mr. Slappy with his arm around him like their old chums about to go on a fishing trip holding a fishing pole like Dylan does. Incorrectly. Dum, dum, dum! Two days pass. There might have been a lot of flapping in that 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 take, potentially. Your bird got she, excited. She has a uh, like a four-foot vertical jump. Like, I've seen her jump. Straight up in the air before, which is a weird thing to watch a bird do. Like, you expect him to fly. <clears throat> Two days pass. Mr. Wood has been good. Oh, I hate that sentence. Those words that kind that, of almost rhyme, so you kind of want to force it. You want to be like, Wood, wait, good, good, Wood. Good. Those rhyme. That does rhyme. I just say Those things do rhyme. Oh, thank God. Oh. Yeah, you're just being Boston. For half of that sentence. Yeah, and that threw things off. I also have aphasia. So, Lindy, <laughs> Lindy has, like, Lindy is proof that it's all about luck and show business. Like, yeah, she's got talent, maybe. We we're, we don't know that she does, like, 
we're dealing with a bunch of plebeians who say she's good. Like, I feel like she could be moving her mouth the entire time, and the marshals would be like, yeah, ooh, look at that puppet talk. How does she make the mouth move? Like, that's probably what's really going on here. She's half a step away from being stoned for witchcraft. That's what's going on in this town. <laughs> and yet Chris is so much worse than her that everyone's like, nah, that's that doesn't even look good. <laughs> But uh, Lindy comes up to Chris. He's like, uh, so a spring concert. Uh, yeah, I guess that's something. I mean, it's a school spring concert. It's just uh, recorders and triangles and uh, those wooden blocks that you scrape across. Yeah. yeah just It's not Coachella. No, uh, but uh, you know the producer of Channel 3, uh, Debbie? <laughs> You know Debbie at no, I know Debbie at Channel Three. Uh, she was at uh, one of my birthday parties, um, and uh, she said I might be good enough to go on their talent search show. But you know, I told them I call them. <laughs> Got to let these TV people wait. I don't want them to think you're too eager. And then she uh, she just walks out the door, which just proves how much of a shithead. Lindy really yes. is because Lindy is doing well. She's doing great. Everything mm-hmm. is coming up Lindy. And then she's like, "Oh, could I cause pain too?" Like she has <laughs> no reason to do what she's going to do, but she's doing it anyway. And poor Chris just stunned with jealousy. Just like, oh my god! I, I can imagine the boiling heat. Just, like you know that when you get that, like you know, you get that feeling in your nose, like you've been tapped on the end of the nose. When you get so mad, you can just kind of feel like you, like it's like the funny bone of your nose. You just feel anger in your face. Yeah, I yeah. feel like that's where she's at. She's just seething. Well, she makes a mistake because she gets angry, and you know, people people who got tempers, we know. You take it out on an inanimate object. So she's frustrated. She takes Mr. Wood and she just checks him onto the floor. I, I imagine like hard enough to bounce even though he's just wood and, and cloth. And, and immediately she's like, oh. Ugh. The creepy thing is like she's she looks down at him. And he's, he's got a creepy dummy face, but her eyes, like, she thinks that his eyes go cold or that he's he's judging her and that there's no forgiveness in them, which is a terrifying thing to read in a children's book. Like, that's one of those things that's kind of, like, unsettling. Like, there was no forgiveness. Like, oh, cool. <laughs> so she apologized to him, but, like, Mr. Wood is just not saying anything because he's a dummy. Time passes. She goes to bed, wakes up in the middle of the night, needs a drink, bit of the hair of the dog that bit her last night. So tall Would glass drunk of on water? tap water. Yeah. Um, ah. Listen, if you drink too much tap water, you got to pee and then you need to drink more water because you're thirsty again. That's how it works. It's, it's like a child's hangover, basically. Mm. Okay. Anyway. Now we cut to Lindy. She's asleep in bed. Because she's been busy, needs to rest up for what's about to happen next. She hears the scream from the from from downstairs. So just Chris's blood curdling scream, and Lindy shoots up awake and dun dun dun. 
And what's interesting about that is I don't think we ever get like a, a this is a, there's a very brief part of the book where you're you're from Lindy's perspective because you're I think you're Chris most of the time mm-hmm. or and at it's, least it's around third here, party isn't it like yeah it's right there like when she hears she hears the scream from downstairs you you hear that you see that from Lindy's well. Mm-hmm. It, no, I know what you're talking about. It's too, without Chris around, right? Yeah, there's a couple of times where, like, but it's very few times where it's like, Lindy looked at Chris and she's like, God, I hate you. Yeah, like, but you very rarely <laughs> get to see inside her head, but like, usually it's, it is something like, she is such a copycat. Like, it, it, her, right. the inside of her head is barren, but for hate. Right. So typically the book follows Chris, but here we get to follow Lindy because she hears a scream. Uh, from downstairs. So she runs downstairs, Lindy does. She runs into the kitchen. It's dark in the kitchen. She sees a source of light. It's the fridge. The fridge is open, but the fridge is uh, empty? What? And then she looks over. She sees her twin sister, Chris, against the wall, just looking on in horror, looking at the same thing she's looking at, terrified. What is happening? What is going on with the food? Were we robbed? Someone steal our food? Which would terrify me. That would be oh, yeah. the scariest thing I could imagine is waking up in the middle of the night. My family dead, whatever. The fridge is empty. <laughs> what? <laughs> I was, I was, because it was taking a while to get to what, what had happened. And she's like, all right, the fridge is empty. That's weird. That is a very weird thing. But what's happening? What What is happening? Yeah. So that's not all. All of the fridge's contents have been dumped into the floor. Can you imagine the mess? I think about what's in my fridge right now. Just a lot of leftovers, a lot of leftover pastas and macaroni salads and and sandwich fixings and all these things. Two things of heavy cream soups in my fridge right now. Just thinking about that spread all over the floor. Uh, getting warmer. Gippity goppity, just getting warmer. Yeah. <laughs> So it's in a pile, all the food in the middle of the floor. And among the food is sprinkled in among the food is Chris's own jewelry, necklaces, glints of little earrings and bracelets, glittery things just scattered about mixed in with all of this mess. And she describes it as like some kind of bizarre salad, which I thought was kind of fun. And in the middle, sitting atop the mound of mess, like a king upon a filthy throne, is Mr. Wood. He's sitting there grinning. I'm going to say shit-eating grin, right in the middle of the mess. Mm. And I'm going to read a bit here. This is the last, last bit of this chapter 12. Oh, no! Lindy shrieked as her eyes came to rest on the figure on the floor. Sitting upright in the middle of the mess was Mr. Wood, grinning gleefully at her. He had several strands of beads around his neck, long dangling earrings hanging from his ears, and a platter of leftover chicken on his lap. Dum, dum, dum. This is actually the first cliffhanger where I feel like something bad has actually happened afterwards, and that's Mom finds out. Because right now, the situation yes. is under control. Like, kids could fix this mess, but mom hits the lights. And um, strangely, is Oh, not... that's terrifying. Yeah. Oh, God. Just. Ugh. 
nothing like waking your mom up with screams for her to come down and be like, what? Why is the kitchen destroyed? We can't eat this week. I'm, I'm hope you're happy because we had to buy you a dummy. So no room for fo- uh, money for food. And the food that we had is dead. So <laughs> dead. <laughs> it's dead. Uh, so both, both Chris and Lindy are the dummy did it. And mom is, are you serious right now? It is three o'clock in the morning and you're telling me that you're like, I, I just, so I, I, I feel like the mom is alternating between white hot fury and just mm-hmm. world weariness, bring like that, that kind of mix of emotions you have when you find a giant mess in your kitchen at three o'clock in the morning, regardless if you're too borderline sociopathic twins with with bleach blonde hair and cold ice eyes did you do the shining on us did you went did well, you I was go shining actually right village of the damned have you seen that oh i've not seen that no yeah. it's a it's an interesting okay. story we'll talk about it later. um <clears throat> okay but there's a lot of back and forth but mom's like no listen i'm gonna give you one more chance which one of you did this mr wood all right and so mom is just like, I'm done with the dummies. I'm done with all of this. And in the first moment that Maya brought order to this household, she takes the dummies and I'm just taking those away from you. You can't have them back. We're done because you can't even acknowledge that one of you did this or tell me which one of you did this. Like the, she has to be going crazy thinking like, why is Chris or like one of them should be narking on the other right now. Did they both do this? Right. And what's the point if they're both doing this? Who are they pranking? What is, like, as the mom, she has to be like, what is this? Why is this happening? And And at some point, she's like, I don't really care because this mess, the, my anger and up, the, the, the amount of upset I am of this mess sort of trumps how upset I am at you. I want this, if this mess is cleaned up, I'll forgive everything. Uh, they don't just, they also have to buy, more groceries with their allowance which is like where does your allowance come from like oh mom don't worry we'll take that money that you give to us and then we'll give it back to you like i I don't right i guess how is your allowance paying for like 250 (laughs) dollars worth of groceries i mean it's a house with four people well lindy's making bank so and that is true. You, why would mom cut her off at the knees right when she's getting started? You want to you want to milk your child star for as much as they're worth because they're probably not going to make it before the drugs that take them down. So, like, don't take right. the dummy away. The old Mc, the old McCulkin. Mm, yeah, I said McCulkin. That's I basically just crammed his first and last name together. But we all we all knew what I was talking about. Yeah. yeah. Did we? Yeah, we did. Oh. McCulkin. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> they spend uh, a considerable amount of time cleaning up the mess like but because the mom finally is like fine whatever just so we can go to bed because that's really what this is about she she doesn't want this discussion anymore that's why she gives in i'm going to bed chris tosses mr wood into her closet not learning from the first time she threw him into the floor yeah shuts the Lay door that guy down gently yeah we'll put a, put a little pillow under that head and she goes to bed but then, right before she falls asleep, she hears a voice saying, Let me out of here. Oh, 
He's going to talk like a dock worker. There we go. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Chris hears, let me out of here from the closet. Oh, man. That can't be good. He just destroyed the kitchen. Nice talking to me. Oh, geez. So she wakes up Lindy. Lindy, Lindy! Tells her about the voice. But Lindy's like, I don't hear, I don't, what are you talking about? Go back to bed. You're just upset. Go back to bed. What? Uh, uh. And Chris breaks down, just starts crying, like, what is happening? The friggin', my friggin' doll's nutso. What's happening? I'm scared of this dummy, Lindy. You don't understand. This is terrorizing me. And Lindy calms Chris down. And this is where she gets cold. Sinister. She says, Chris, shh, it's okay, sis. Listen, <laughs> hey, don't cry. It's okay. Listen, I know who's been doing all of this. Dum, dum, dum. She leans in real close. And whispers into her ear, It was me. I was Whoa. on the grassy knoll. <laughs> Did this surprise you when you read the book or when you were taking this in? When I was reading, so I didn't remember this, but like I, I don't really, I, I kind of stayed away from this one as a kid. I think I read it like once for some reason and, and never again. Um, so I don't actually remember what my response to it was as a child actually but uh so i i kind of figured it was lindy because of the, like okay. of how it's being set up was like like it's escalating a little too quickly for it to be the dummy so i'm guessing it's actually a red herring here what about you did you think it was i was a little surprised I mean, we're, we're right around the teens chapters which is most of the time when the when the evil thing finally comes into to light so i was kind of like okay it's been the doll i was but i was waiting for lindy to be like like in the know that it's been mr slappy mm-hmm. or been slappy yeah the that's whole time. what was what i was thinking was that like um I, oh so i think what happened in my brain was i read the back of the book which says like uh Chris gets slappy, or Lindy gets slappy, and then Chris gets another doll, and then bad things happen. Um, I was thinking in my head that, like, because I know Slappy's the bad dummy from Goosebumps, that Slappy was framing Mr. Wood throughout the book as right. being the bad dummy. That's what I thought. Um, yeah. And in hindsight, that doesn't, that's a weird thing. Like, if Slappy wanted to get rid of Mr. Wood, why would he concoct this elaborate thing to be like, he's really alive. And that kind of like draws the spotlight <laughs> onto Mr. Uh, on Mr. Slappy onto Slappy. So like, that'd be right. Weird for right. Him to be uh, like, yeah. Cause he could exist forever. As long as no one realized he was alive. Like he could just have mm-hmm. full run in the place. So I, I kind of figured it was, it was Lindy. Um, and I kind of got stuck That's in a the headspace twist. of Chris, come on, man. Like, Use your common sense. I know, I know, dummies really can come to life in your universe, but you have no evidence of that, really. Right. I, I think it's a good twist too, because throughout their books, the companion or the other kid, I guess, other than Sari, but they, Sari was just more obnoxious, but has never been like this villainous. Oh, you know, no. you get the Bamer twins who are jerks, but they're already described as jerks. Lindy's just a twin. 
that lives in the house. You kind of expect her to be a brat sometimes, mm-hmm. but this was cold-blooded. This yeah. is like, I set you up. I destroyed our house. I slapped you. I tried to make you feel like you were crazy. This is this is over the top. Like, And she, like, she just danced up to the line of, like, acceptable fuckery. Like, the fridge is going a little far. <laughs> like... But it was yeah, only like was replaceable goods. Um, and, and I feel like Lindy was like, Oh, gotta pull this back. Mom, we'll pay for everything. <laughs> Don't you worry, mom. Yeah. That was another thing too, that she did, like if she was being, uh, very menacing, she did sort of defend, I guess it came down to mom was going to take lose her both dolls too. away. Yeah. Yeah. And she was like, Oh yeah, well, I'll help her clean up. But, um, because Lindy's the one who like, because Chris is like, I don't want my dummy anymore. But Lindy still wants Slappy. She knows Slappy's not an evil dummy. So it's 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 funny how like just Machiavelli and Lindy comes across because she's very emotionally manipulative throughout the book, like all throughout. Just like her interactions mm-hmm. and the way that she kind of plays off of her parents sometimes too is a little like this thing's a little calculated. Right now, like yeah. the fact that she dark. managed to get her mom out of a tailspin to, uh, of uh, taking their toys away was a little like, huh? But yeah, and she fesses up to all of it, and she doesn't even seem slightly remorseful either. Like her, she caused her sister to break down in tears, thinking that she was being terrorized by a living doll, and she's not even slightly. <laughs> she's just like, <laughs> gotcha, and then just she just leaves. She's just cool. Or she doesn't leave. She goes. But she just goes back to bed and falls asleep immediately. I think. And Chris is just and like. I, I think this is where the book actually got good for me. Like it was a very slow draw up or wind up for this one, where I was like, just doll stuff I didn't care about and I wasn't buying. But when I realized that one of the kids was a maniac, I was like, oh, this is good. No wonder people gravitate to this one. This one's got a lot. It's I'll, t- I'll I'll tell you how I feel about this book later. Um, but Chris then. The final moment on this is Chris is like, I will never speak to Lindy again. And her, her final thought as she goes to treat us, uh, goes to sleep. Her final thought as she goes to sleep is, how is she going to get her back? Done, done, done. Yeah. Already plotting that revenge as she goes off to sleep. I don't blame her. I probably would have been too. I would have been thinking of all of the ways I would dismember Slappy and leave him strewn about her bed. Uh, but. A few days pass, okay? We don't get we don't get the fumes off this fight, really. A few days pass, and uh, Chris is walking home from school alone. Mom and dad are both gone, so she has to. She's a latchkey kid. She has to go and unlock, uh, unlock the house, let herself in. Uh, Lindy's probably at some after school activity, and I think she was walking home with Cody earlier. And Cody even asked her, like, "Hey, are you and Chris still talking? Are are you and I'm sorry, uh, are you and uh, Lindy?" talking and she's like i mean not really you know like i wouldn't either personally i get it but she had not forgiven lindy wasn't speaking to her uh mom was upset by the the whole thing with the fridge uh no more dummies allowed downstairs you play with them upstairs shy of just throwing them into an incinerator she's like you leave them upstairs do not bring them downstairs that that mom always wanted to be a pageant mom let's be honest that, that is definitely the mom who's just like, oh, come here, little Joan Bonet, 
Lindy, let's let's start your career on the talent circuit. And it ends badly, as it always does. But they also as say, it too, that, like, oh, no, mom talked to dad, and he's pissed, too. So, like, they even, it's just like, dad doesn't want to see those dummies anywhere near us, either. So, it's basically. Right. Although they kind of, they kind of break their own rule pretty quickly, I feel like. But anyway. They do, yeah. And you're right. It seems like the parents are fine with them having the dummies as long as they can have some success with them. They just don't want to see them it's, downstairs. It's almost like not having firm rules that they consistently enforce has created just a two-headed monster. But yeah, uh, a manipulative I'm not a parent, so I'm going uh, to stay away from that. Sure. No, it's all good. So... Chris uh, takes this opportunity since no one's in the house. Oh, I'm going to rehearse with my dummy. I don't have to worry about mom and dad. I don't have to worry about Lindy giving me a hard time. And as she's getting ready to rehearse with him, she finds a little note in his pocket on a little piece of paper. She's like, I don't was this the receipt or something? I didn't know this was it. I haven't seen this before, this little piece of paper. And she pulls it out, unfurls it, reads it, and there's something written on it, not in a language she recognizes. And it's uh, it's spelled out as Karu Mari Odana Loma Malunu Karano. Something along those lines. It's written out here. R. L. Stein took the took the time to to give us some some fun sounding words there, and she reads them out loud. And she's like, I don't know what language that is. And she, then she just folds up the piece of paper and shoves it back in his pocket and gets back to rehearsing. And uh, later that day, uh, everybody's back home, and Dad shouts from downstairs, like you said, immediately breaking that rule about no dummies downstairs. The Millers have come over, the old neighbors from next door. And uh, I love the way R.L. Stein, he, he's done it again. The way he describes very old couples looking exactly alike cracks me up. <laughs> he's, what, what did they say for their hair? is like two blobs of spongy pink hair on their heads or something. I can't remember <laughs> what. Uh, <laughs> He has a lot of fun with that. So yeah, they uh apparently the the Millers look alike and dad thinks, "Well, eh, good way to entertain these old people. They like when kids do stuff. I'll get the girls to come down here with their dummies and give them a little show." So he yells upstairs, "Hey girls, get your dummies. Come on down here." They're like, "Really? I thought you didn't want us to do that." And then he's like, "No, no, this time it's fine. The Millers won't see him." So he's like, "All right, well, we'll bring them down there." And so they uh they go bring their dummies downstairs, put on a little show. Dad's talking them up to. He's like, Lindy, go first. You, you guys are going to love this. You guys, the girls are great. They're great. A little shits with the dolls. They, they ruined the refrigerator. They, we had to, we had to buy $400 of the girls, but they're very funny with these dolls. And so Lindy goes first, does a great job. We, again, like you said, we don't hear any of her bits, but the, the Millers are cackling. They love it. it was, there might be like a couple jokes in there that we get, but you know, we get the idea that Lindy's a professional. She just nails it, man. And then Chris goes second. And, uh, it, <laughs> <laughs> Chris's experience, it does not go nearly as well. Uh, and I'm going to read that uh, that excerpt here. It's, it's a long excerpt, but it is worth it, folks. So <clears throat> uh, Chris took her place on the chair and sat Mr. Wood up in her lap. This is Mr. Wood, she told the Millers. Uh, we're going to be the host of the spring concert at school tomorrow, so I'll give you a preview of what we're going to say. That's a nice-looking dummy. Mrs. Miller said quietly. You're a nice-looking dummy, too, Mr. Wood declared in a harsh, raspy growl of a voice. <laughs> Chris's mother gasped. The Miller's smiles faded. Mr. Wood leaned forward in Chris's lap and stared at Mr. Miller. Is that a mustache, or are you eating a rat? He asked nastily. 
Mr. Miller glanced uncomfortably at his wife, then forced a laugh. And they both laughed. Don't laugh so hard. You might drop your false teeth, Mr. Wood shouted. And how do you get your teeth that disgusting shade of yellow? Does your bad breath do that? Chris. <laughs> Sorry, I thought that Chris. was a good one. Chris. <laughs> that was a good one. That was a good one. Chris. Mrs. Powell shouted. That's enough. The Miller's faces were bright red now, their expressions bewildered. That's not funny. Apologize to the Millers, Mr. Powell insisted, crossing the room and standing in or standing over Chris. I I, I didn't say any of it, Chris stammered. Really, I... Chris, apologize, her father demanded angrily. Mr. Wood turned to the Millers. I'm sorry, he rasped. I'm sorry you're so ugly. I'm sorry you're so old and stupid, too. The Millers stared at each other unhappily. I don't get her humor. Mrs. Miller said. It's just crude insults, Mr. Miller replied quietly. (laughs) Chris, what is wrong with you? Mrs. Powell demanded. She had crossed the room to stand beside her husband. Apologize to the Millers right now. I don't believe you. I, I, gripping Mr. Wood tightly around the waist, Chris rose to her feet. I, I, she tried to utter an apology, but no words would come out. Sorry, she finally managed to scream. Then, with an embarrassed cry, she turned and fled up the stairs, tears streaming down her face. Dump, dump, dump. So what's interesting is we never, when when we, like after Chris said, uh, like revealed that, or after Lindy revealed that she had been pranking Chris with the, the living dummy, and she's like, I'm going to get her back for this. You don't know what her plan is or if she's come up with a plan. Like, a few days pass. So, like, this could be like, oh, is is Chris trying to do, a, like, a switcheroo? Like, flip, this, the, flip the script on her? Like, you know, you have the magic spell thing or whatever. But, you know, like, this could still be like Chris is, is you know, reciprocating, but she's... She knows she has to up the ante. She can't, like, make messes or whatever. She's got to, like, you know, take it to the Millers. Because, like, the more crazy she acts, the more believable it is that the dummy's Mm -hmm. going crazy. Like, or that it's alive. So she's got to, if she wants uh, Lindy to bite bite on this fish hook that's simmering in the water, she's got to really bait the hook with some, some juicy dabbles. I don't yes. know fishing at all, apparently. I, I think I knew more Cl- about fishing clear. before I started talking. Anyway, but like Chris is upset, which, you know, kind of maybe is she upset? Is she the spawn of Satan right. as, as Lindy is? Because Lindy's not buying it. Lindy, like Lindy's like, I've seen this song and dance. I wrote this song and choreographed this dance. And now you're playing it back at me and expecting me to believe it. No, sir. So Lindy's going to go practice. Chris doesn't know if she's going to be able to do a concert the next night because she's been grounded for doing a phenomenal act. Like, honestly. <laughs> it was funny. I like, laughed a lot. Uh, like, just a banger job. I, I just loved it. Uh, <laughs> like, the Millers have no sense of humor. But, uh. True. I mean, they laughed for a second. They were like, <laughs> kind of that nervous, like, wow, okay, it's different. Yeah, this, is, this is what the kids are into. Uh, that's, hmm. Then it got yeah. personal about their teeth. <laughs> Uh, that breath line though just beautiful and uh and that she worst 
thing of all, Lindy might be taking her spot at the spring concert. Yeah. But, because, uh, I mean, Dad's probably going to ground her for life over that. I but, mean, you just made the Millers, you just embarrassed the family. Yeah, in front of the Millers. The Millers aren't going to be around for much longer, and you can just be like, oh, yeah, you know how they are. They're, you know. Mm-hmm. Our daughter didn't do anything wrong. But Chris is like, you know what? I need to do this concert. I signed a contract. I, I, I gave him a promise. And my <laughs> promise is my bond, Dad. And uh, so she she goes to the concert with with her uh, with her dummy. Raised a good yeah, point. Yeah, in my commentary, <laughs> this is me. Like, wh- why, why you just had your dummy take over for you and ruin everything? Why would you still trust it? Why would you go to the spring concert with this dummy? I might switch to Slappy. I might be like, listen, can I borrow Slappy for the spring concert? Because uh, my dummy, honest to God, possessed by Satan. Yeah, it's 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 a moment that like makes sense if if Chris is pulling a Lindy and she's she's doing a prank. But if right. she actually thinks I think I think I know what it actually is. I think Chris doesn't know what ventriloquism is. And so she thinks that it's actually maybe possible that occasionally the dummy takes over. Like that's how <laughs> ventriloquism works. Like you get so good at ventriloquism you don't even know it's you. Like I think that's <laughs> I think you might be right because that's I'm concerned. Not about much this. else fits. Yeah, not, <laughs> logically, not much else fits. I kind of feel like this is a, a little bit of an oversight. Like this is Arl Stein's usually pretty good about the kids questioning certain bits of logic, but this is never even questioned. She just goes to the concert. She's never like, maybe I shouldn't because my dummy's possessed. None of that. There's not even a mention of a thought. She just does it after the dummy verbally assaults the Millers hilariously. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe she's just hoping, like, let's be honest, her material's not that good. We still haven't heard, we've heard one of Chris's lines, and it was pretty bad. It was awful, it was actually. It was bad. Um, so she didn't write Mr. That's the clearest sign that it's actually a different person doing those lines, because Mr. Wood. Right. Just Mr. Wood's funny. Hit after hit after hit after hit. Like, good delivery, good build up to, like, hey, you're a yellow teeth, and you're bad breath, and you're ha. And then what, like his apologies. It's like the Andrew Dice Clay of puppets. Exactly. Like you said. Yeah. You told uh, me that in pre. That, that was literally as I was reading the audiobook. I was like, oh shit. Andrew Dice Clay, get <laughs> the Millers. But anyway, you forgot that Chris does tell Mr. Wood no insults tonight. So she does put a stop to it before it can get out of hand. Like that's, that's her. Yeah. She no, does I'm, kind I of mention you that. Lit- I, I don't mean you literally forgot. I know you put it in the notes. I'm saying like you were like, "Oh, Chris is crazy," but I'm saying like she did tell him no insults tonight. So you know that that's she her- still has like no reservations about it. She's like, but because she said we're not doing the insult thing tonight. That was yesterday night. Tonight we're doing like more crowd work, a little patter work, some improv. <laughs> we're not doing insult comedy tonight. She's letting him I'm sure, know. I'm sure the demented the demented dummy will be like. Right, okay, yeah, okay, right. Listen, right, right. she was she was trying out something new the other night and the Millers didn't like it. She understands, you know, not everything's for everybody. Wrong time, wrong right. audience, right material. Or other way. Right. Anyway. Material. So Mr. Wood blinks to let her know that he uh he knows that they're they're doing crowd work tonight. Insult comedy <laughs> right. on Saturday night at the bone. Um 
<laughs> they used to be funny bone the fine cell like the seinfeld down like back in the 80s so they just called it the bone after that and everyone's like cool now it's just um, the bone yeah, yeah now it's just the bone uh but anyway so he blinks he understands also he's not able to blink so that should be just immediately <laughs> he's doing something he's physically incapable of doing they say multiple times that the dummies can't blink that they can only look side to side that that's the only eye controls that they have and the dummy blinks at her without her doing anything and she's like cool glad we're in yeah. agreement let's go so she goes out to stage <laughs> and it is insane there was a couple of times he was like, is this a dream? Like, is this a dream situation? And I just missed a couple of lines and like, right. No, this, everything that I'm about to read happens to Chris. Yeah. So poor. It did feel like the, the eating bad. bones moment of the first book. It was that, it's that surreal. Can I do this? Her heart was pounding so hard she couldn't hear Mrs. Berman's introduction. Then suddenly the audience was applauding. And Chris found herself walking across the stage to the microphone, carrying Mr. Wood in both hands. Mrs. Berman, her flowery dress flowing around her, was heading off stage. She smiled at Chris and gave her an encouraging wink as they passed each other. Squinting against the bright spotlight, Chris walked to the middle of the stage. Her mouth felt as dry as cotton. She wondered if she could make a sound. A folding chair had been set up for her. She sat down, arranging Mr. Wood on her lap, then realized that the microphone was much too high. Are you having trouble? Mrs. Berman called from the side of the stage. She hurried over to help Chris. But before the music teacher got halfway across the stage, Mr. Wood leaned into the microphone. What time does the blimp go up? He rasped nastily, <laughs> staring at Mrs. Berman's dress. What? She stopped in surprise. Your face reminds me of a ward I had removed, Mr. Wood growled at the startled woman. Her mouth dropped open in horror. Chris! If we count your chins, will it tell us your age? There was laughter floating up from the audience. It was mixed, mixed with gasps of horror. Chris, that's enough, Mrs. Berman cried, the microphone picking up her angry protest. You're more than enough. You're enough for two, Mr. Wood declared nastily. If you got any bigger, you'd need your own zip code. Chris, really? I'm going to ask... <laughs> Chris, really, I'm going to ask you to apologize, Mrs. Berman said, her face bright red. M Mrs. Berman, I'm, I'm not doing it, Chris stammered. I'm not saying these things. Please apologize to me and to the audience. For good material? Why would you apologize for that? Mrs. Berman demanded. Mr. Wood leaned into the microphone. Apologize for this, he screamed. The dummy's head tilted back, his jaw dropped, his mouth opened wide, and a thick green liquid came spewing out. Yuck! Someone cried. It looked like pea soup. It spurted up out of Mr. Wood's open mouth like water rushing from a fire hose. Voices screamed and cried out their surprise as the thick green liquid showered over the people in the front rows. Stop it! Help! Somebody turn it off! It stinks! Chris froze in horror, staring as more and more of the disgusting substance poured from her dummy's gaping mouth. A putrid stench, the smell of sour milk, of rotten eggs, of burning rubber, of decayed meat, rose up from the liquid. It puddled over the stage and showered over the front seats. Blinded by the spotlight, Chris couldn't see the audience in front of her, but she could hear the choking and the gagging, the frantic cries for help. Clear the auditorium! Clear the auditorium! Mrs. Berman was shouting. 
Chris heard the rumble and scrape of people shoving their way up the aisles and out the doors. It stinks! I'm sick! Somebody help! Chris started, tried to clamp her hand over the dummy's mouth, but the force of the putrid green liquid frothing and spewing out was too strong. It pushed her hand away. Suddenly, she realized she was being shoved from behind, off the stage, away from the shouting people, fleeing from the auditorium, out of the glaring spotlight. Wow. This is gross. Like, this this whole thing kind is of. is pretty, uh... Intense. You've got... Chris... I, I, I'm gonna say she was bombing. She, she bombed. Uh, on, on her first... Yeah. Uh, and, and so... Mrs. Berman... Gets her off the stage... I guess being removed from stage, Mr. <laughs> Literally, Wood is like, oh, kind of. Well, I can't do my party trick anymore, but to tuck that away. Uh, and Mrs. Berman gets her off stage and tells her that she's going to have her suspended for life. Dun, dun, dun. Academic career over. For life. Man, that's heavy when you're like in sixth, seventh grade. But back home, I feel like the parents. Our avoidance coping this madness. I mean, this is a catastrophe in the home. This is rough. Uh, I mean, what you just read is terrifying. People were traumatized. Uh, Chris probably as well, even if she is the culprit. Uh, but back home, Mr. Wood gets thrown in the closet again. Like he's put this thing away. Just put him in the closet. I don't even know how you get pea soup in that thing. That's crazy. Put it in the closet. How did you do and this? And no one wants to talk it's to like, Chris. They're too angry. The parents don't even, they're not even like, why'd you do this? What, why, it's, what's wrong with you? Are you okay? Why would you do this? How did you do this? How? When, when did you buy pea soup? They don't bring it, they're just like, we'll talk about this tomorrow. We're too upset to face you. Um, this, your dog goes in the closet, you go to bed. Chris can't go to sleep. She's too upset because she didn't do anything. She went out on stage and her doll exploded uh, into a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles gag. It's like a ooze uh, all over the place. It's wild. Um, and now the dad makes a point of throwing Mr. Wood in the closet. And he also makes the comment like, it's too bad the closet doesn't lock. But we're just going to throw it in there anyway. And so Chris can't sleep. Toss well, and turning. He- he he asks her like, "Does this closet lock?" And she's like, "No." He's like, "Well, good enough." That's that's the parenting in this household. It's like mm, we got seventy five percent of the way there. We'll leave the dummy in an unlocked closet. That's like taking it away from her, right? Like kind in her room. Yeah, he's uh, dad's inconsistent, but you know, Chris can't sleep. And in the middle of the night, while she's tossing and turning, trying to get to sleep, she hears rustling, footsteps. She even sees shadows moving. Gosh, shit, not this again. But she gets out of bed to inspect, and she sees a figure kind of go past the bed and through the bedroom. So she bravely follows it outside her room. Where's this little figure going? Clearly, it's got to be the doll. There's no question. She keeps calling it a figure, but <laughs> we know what it is. I guess it could potentially be Lindy. She's pulled one over on us before, but we don't think so. Uh, she follows it outside her room, and at the top landing of the steps, she reaches out to it, puts her hand on the figure. Is it going to be E.T.? Is E.T. going to turn around? No. Mr. Wood turns and looks back at her. <gasps> oh, f- 
shit. Dump I figure, I, I guess Arl's dying at this point. He's like, um, cat's out of the bag. <laughs> the dummy's evil. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, like, Chris Chris goes, like, they, they start to tussle. Like, she's, you know, getting some moves in. Like, he's, he's hissing and growling at her, which I didn't even know puppets could do. Yeah, and again, I, I thought to the exorcist, I was like a lot of the same sounds and thing, mannerisms, I really, I, I concocted those, I pulled from that movie to fill this narrative in, and it works well. Yeah, it's not great, because <laughs> of the whole thing. I and she spewed green, Fuck. she spewed green, it works. I think I think he drew from the exorcist for some of the dummy anyway. No, I think, and I think even at one point, like, they turn his head all the way around, right? Trying to pull it off or something. Yeah. So, like, it's it's definitely, it's like The Exorcist for children. Kind of. I mean, kind of, uh, yeah. It's close enough. Yeah. So, he's, he's, he manages to, like, try and get away, but she's got a hold of him and she tosses him back into the closet that doesn't lock Chris. But he manages to get free and, like... Just, just fucking like socks are in the belly. Dude, like he does. just <laughs> he punches a kid. Knocks the wind out. This of is her. the second time a kid's been hit in this book by a dummy. <laughs> Although this time it actually was the dummy, right? Not Last just Lindy. Was Lindy yeah. hiding uh, domestic abuse with a puppet. Um, but then Lindy, Lindy show. Uh, no, actually, sorry, I missed the. <laughs> The best part of this is cocky little fucker because he's uh, he's, he he gets one good punch off. He's like, I'm in charge now. Uh, And I can almost like picture Freddie saying a lot of his stuff, too, to be honest with you. Mm, uh, Yeah. Like he he gabs like Freddy Krueger. Now, I'm curious, Dylan. uh, You you said you listened to the audio book. Did the did the voice actor do anything fun with the dummy voice? She actually kind of did, um, for, for all of it, even when Mr. Wood was talking or Slappy was actually, talk, not that Slappy talks in this book, wink, uh, but when like Mr. Wood, she actually did like kind of a clenched, uh, as if a ventriloquist was doing their voice kind of thing. So it'd I be, see. you know, the like, I'm in charge now. Um, so it's, it's kind of more like that. I gotcha. Um, yeah, so that works. Was, that works. I, yeah. Um, and for, you know, for the first half of the book, it is children doing the voice. So it makes sense to, yeah. um, but then she's just like, well, I can't change it up at like chapter 19. <laughs> but, uh, but then Lindy shows up, turns on the hall light and it's like, how do you like the improvements I've made to Mr. Wood? Now he's more powerful than, no, it's actually not Lindy this time. Uh, she's, she's just a little befuddled. She's like, Chris, you're having a nightmare. Come back to bed. You're probably having traumatic nightmares about your dummy because for weeks I tormented you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a good yeah. joke though right yeah those nightmares uh, you're gonna Chris have those like... for 11 years at least <laughs> even before the dummy actually came to life that was already going to be mm-hmm. a foregone conclusion but uh but chris is like he's alive mr wood's alive get mom and dad and lindy's just like come on what are you doing uh but then mr wood pulls him up by the banister because he's done playing the dummy He's not a fool. And Lindy, jaw drop. She sees this, yeah. Shocked. She actually sees it. Uh, She's like, oh, shit. 
Lendy books it to get mom and dad, who apparently live on the other, like in the west wing of the mansion, because it takes her a while to get back. Right. I'm always but confused. Chris, these houses and these these two story ranch style homes in R.L. Stein's universe are massive. Well, the basements are. I mean, yeah, the basements are well, at least the size of like a parking garage. Well, the um, attic had like a whole hidden Airbnb in it in the last book. <laughs> That you could get six sweaty children in and no one was complaining. <laughs> yeah. And then the mom came in there too. And the like, dog. Oh. Everybody was in there. And yeah. the dog. Three dark versions of everybody else. Yeah. It was crazy. <laughs> the fire marshal was pissed. They were actually in the attic of the house next door at that point. They just didn't know. Um, which makes more sense because that was the house of the mad scientist. Um, mm. so, uh, you guys found my mirror. But, uh, Chris is, I don't know if Chris was like the more athletic twin because she like, she just goes for the body tackle and like takes him down. She pins him down with her foot. And I kind of love the idea of just like yeah. Chris standing on top of him while he's foot planted writhing. on his chest. Yeah. And just like, Wah! and she's like, mom and dad are about to like, they're going to see evidence that I'm not crazy this time. Uh, done, done, done. Victorious. Right, we wish the dummy not so dumb. Uh, dummy goes limp right when mom and dad appear, just lifeless on the ground. It just looks like Chris is just standing with her foot on her dummy in the middle of the night, screaming. Uh, which at this point, if you are the parents, <laughs> get this girl help. You saw the show just hours before. Uh, you put mm-hmm. the dummy away. She's gotten it back out now. She's fake wrestling it in the living room. Um, uh, this is a situation you need to take care of. But, uh, they're like, wow, you're crazy. And they do, they're like, you're, you've lost your mind. And they kind of have a <laughs> bit of a conversation about it. And then they just go to bed. Like, L- Lindy half heartedly defends Chris. She's like, no, nah, um, it was, I think it, I think it was alive. I think for a minute there I saw it moving and stuff like that. And they're like, whatever. This has gone way too far. Are you trying to be funny right now? It's in the middle of the night. Put it up. And they just, Give up. We're going back to bed. And they don't even, I don't even think they tell the girls to go back to bed. They're just like, we're out. No, they're just, they're, they're over it. Yeah. I mean, it's been, I don't want to know what kind of conversation they had to have down at that mall when they picked up their, their daughter and the, the puke. Uh, but I, I bet it wasn't like a 10 minute or like, I don't think this was just like, <laughs> we think that maybe, um, we need to get, uh, Chris some hobbies, you know, like so, just something to, she has an overactive brain. Like maybe, we, no, no, this was just like, um, have you heard of the show Scared Straight? Because we think she might be a good fit. Uh, bikes. So only added to her issues. Uh, yeah. But of course, right when, right when mom and dad go back to bed, Mr. Wood being the nut dummy that he ain't or whatever, he comes back to life, starts fighting her again, tells the girls they're his slaves now. You're my slaves now. You must obey. And uh, Chris, being curious and wanting to know the answer that we all want to know, uh, hey, Mr. Wood, how are you alive? How are you alive? You're a dummy. Uh, He tells her, like, oh, you read the ancient words from that note. Remember the karambam, bam bam bam. You remember that? Uh, you read that, and uh, that brought me to life. I'm I'm a cursed dummy. You you read out the incantation, and thinking fast, Chris has an idea. She's like, maybe if I read him again, he'll go back down. So she reaches real quick, and before he can stop her, he she grabs the paper out of his pocket, and she reads it again. 
I'm not going to read it again because I don't remember what page it's on. But it's hoping to undo this chaos. Dum dum dum. I'm uh, going to be honest with you. At this point, I thought we had a tree situation because, like, if they just read these words and he just collapses to the ground, disappointing. I'm going to be disappointed, and. Luckily for me, uh, Mr. Wood has a sense of humor about it because he's like, <laughs> those are the words to bring me to life, <laughs> not the words to kill me. Like, duh. Yeah. Like, it's two different spells. So you don't just, <laughs> like, even Rumpelstiltskin, you had to, like, get his name and stuff. Like, it's it's not one thing. At some point, I'm just going to have to trust that R.L. Stein's got me. Like, when I think I'm about to be disappointed, he's probably going to go the other way. Oh, yeah, unless it's the fact that Sari lived to the end of that book. Yeah, that's um, true. That's true. We'll never yeah. get that one back. She didn't even learn the lesson. Sometimes the bullies don't learn their lesson. That's which, that's always very upsetting. Which is a lesson it's, in and of itself, right? Is it not? Yep, that's how life is. The bullies always win. But Chris is like, you know what? I'm done with bullies. I'm going to respond to bullies the way they should be responded. We're gonna have to kill him, Lindy. <laughs> I love We're that line. Take his head. I love that line. Because, that was so. Yeah, and she goes action. straight for the head. Yeah, yeah. Because she, she, she doesn't just say like, "Oh, so let's uh, smack him against the wall some more." She's like, "You grab his body, I'll grab his head, and let's get to Poland." Like, <laughs> yeah. they just go immediately for like trying to rip his head off, but he's just laughing at them. He's like, "I got powers. You can't just." You can't just pull my head off or cut it off. And, you know, Chris is... He says that a lot. He's like, I've got powers. And at some point right here, he went to Gilbert Gottfried to me. He went He went away from... <laughs> I don't know why. It was no longer the extra... When he, when he started taunting people, he was Gilbert Gottfried. Oh, so like... So she's like trying to saw off his head. And then she hits him. And he's like, violence, violence. Like that kind of <laughs> yeah. thing. Like a parrot, basically. Yeah. Uh, but he, then he starts getting like, listen... If you don't, if you don't be my slaves, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have to start killing. Like, I don't want to. Well, I do, but I don't want to have to. You understand? I want to be my choice. So I might kill your parents. I might kill your friends. Cody, all right. I'd kill him any day. You know what? I think I'm going to kill the dog. And everyone who read Welcome to Dead House was like, oh, no, not another dog. And... So they, 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 you know what? They know not to negotiate with someone smaller than them. Pick them up, stuff them in a suitcase, and he's pretty mad about that situation. And they put it into the closet they can't lock <laughs> for the third time. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Oh, it is true. that, that clo- This closet gets a lot of action. You know, when you simplified that one time that Stay Out of the Basement was just kids running up and down the stairs a lot, this book is kids throwing things in the closet and going to bed a bunch. That's what this is. So anyway, uh, Chris, uh, in and out. Yeah. And I, I was, I was impressed by the line, then I'll start hurting the ones you love. Um, so yeah, I would have shoved his ass in a suitcase too, which I thought was a good move. I thought that was pretty smart. So they shove him in a suitcase and Chris convinces Lindy, uh, she thinks of this pretty fast. It's pretty smart. She's like, Hey, remember the new construction down the street? There's a new house going up where we found your, stupid fucking dummy um would be a great idea if we took this suitcase full of hateful ass dummy over to that house and we buried it under a mound of dirt next door because there's mounds of dirt already we just 
bury him in a big mound of dirt. Maybe he'll get cemented over. Maybe a steamroller will go over that mound of dirt, pack him in real good. We'll be done with this dummy. And they're like, great, it's a great idea. So they, they run out in the dark. It's early morning. There's dew on the ground. It's kind of, I mean, we've already fought in the middle of the living room in the early morning. So it's probably like four or five thirty in the morning. And, uh, they go to find some shovels for digging. They select snow shovels, all they could find for some reason. Uh, I guess that'll do. And they, uh, they bury him while he's still in the suitcase, just bitching, just in there, just screaming and bitching. It made me laugh a lot, actually, while I was reading the book, just imagining <laughs> them carrying the suitcase with this evil ass dummy and they're just like, put me down, I hate you, wah, 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 and just kicking inside the suitcase. <clears throat> so he's just in there, he's just bitching. Uh, and they, they do the deed. They bury him. Uh, they, they, they dig a hole for a bit. You know, their kids, I don't know how far down they get, but they dig, they dig pretty deep. He's in a suitcase. He's zipped up. Uh, and then they dust off their hands, walk back into the house and go to sleep like the cold blooded dummy murdering killers they are. I'm proud of these girls. They did it. Uh, but, uh, we might not be done yet. At some point, Lindy was still sound asleep. And Chris tiptoed past her, pulled her robe on, and headed downstairs. Morning, Mom, she called brightly, tying the belt to her robe as she entered the kitchen. Mrs. Powell turned from the sink to face her. Chris was surprised to see an angry expression on her face. She followed her mother's stare to the breakfast counter. Oh, Chris gasped when she saw Mr. Wood. He was seated at the counter, his hands on his lap. His hair was matted with red-brown dirt, and he had dirt smears on his cheeks and forehead. Chris raised her hands to her face in horror. I thought you were told never to bring that thing down here, Mrs. Powell scolded. What do I have to do, Chris? She turned angrily back to the sink. The dummy winked at Chris and flashed her a wide, evil grin. That some bitch is back. Bow, bow, bow. Chapter 23. The, the, the parents and their parenting decide that they're going to go to the garden store. Before it rains, Dylan. It's a big deal. That's true. It's true. I mean, <laughs> clearly one of their children is in the middle of a psychotic break. But yes, let's make sure... <laughs> We we pick up some more <laughs> spider plants. Um, so Chris is alone in the in the kitchen with a dummy, and he, uh, he he turns to her and he's like, "I warned you," which is not not great because he he warned her that he was going to kill her entire family and her dog. But Lindy shows up. She looks surprised, which I guess means she didn't dig him up. What if she dug him up again? Ah, oh, that. What if she's just... You do this to every... At the mm. end of every book, you always find a way to make it weird. Or I love it. But no, I don't think she did. <laughs> but, uh... But Mr. Wood, he's like, you've been you've been bad slaves, which is, I'm not liking the direction this is going, and they need to be punished. And so he, he jumps off the chair, and he goes straight to Barky, and he starts... He wraps those very oh, flexible, but God. very strong wooden fingers mm. around that dog's neck. The hyoid bone is just starting to creak inward. Oh, no. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, no, not Barky. Please, not. Save the dog. Don't do it again, R.L. Stein. You know what it does to us kids. We'd rather want... I feel like this is the second time we've seen Barky. I don't even think Barky's really been in the book since, the, like, no, he hasn't. 20 chapters. Uh, but 
I'm not saying I want him to die. I'm just saying, like, I, my heartstrings are just kind of like, I don't want a dog to die, but I don't. I don't know I don't this dog. For Barky. Yeah. Yeah. I don't been know around. Barky. He hasn't been around much. Um, well, he, as he's strangling the dog, he says, I warned you, the dog must die now. But Chris, Chris is our hero. She pries his hands free of the dog. Dog runs off. Barky gets away. Lindy grabs Wood's legs. Uh, Chris grabs his arms and, and, and Mr. Wood bites her. She manages to hold on. And Chris has this idea. Again, I'm amazed with these quick ideas, but she's like, you know what? Saw some steamrollers. Cause I remember when she woke up that morning before she went downstairs to talk to mom, she'd looked out her window and saw, saw steamrollers over at the construction site. Now, what's interesting about this, they've already declared this is a Saturday. I don't know of many construction contractors or workers that, that put in the effort on Saturday, but Especially when it's about to rain. A Saturday where it's supposed to rain. Yeah, about exactly. <laughs> Same place. It's another tree situation. <sighs> but anyway, <laughs> she sees steamrollers at the construction next door, and she's like, maybe we should throw them in the path of one of these steamrollers. And to me, I'm like, well, I don't know if you can get over there and get, like, they're probably going to stop a steamroller if they see a kid running toward it, but you can try it. So it's raining already. They're not paying attention. They've got they've got their their muffs on. Listening to podcasts, listening to, yeah. Listen to podcast. No, uh, well, probably listen to heavy metal back These then. These guys probably also have heavy metal t shirts and they're listening. Yeah, yeah, I love it. But it is raining. It's raining a lot, and so uh, it's a great idea. She's going to go. Let's just go toss him in front of a steamroller and flatten his ass. And, it, and so they run out. They, they're slipping and falling in the rain. Uh, but they're not the only ones that run out the door. Uh, Barky happens to be right behind them. And as they make their way over to these steamrollers, the friggin' dog runs out in the path of a steamroller that is described as fast-moving, something steamrollers not known to be doing. Oh, God, R.L. Stein, no, please not Barky. Dump, dump, I was kind of on Barky's side for some reason. I was like, you know what, Barky? You do you. Run, run towards it. I don't. What if the dog, dog committed suicide and that's where the book stopped? And it's like, wait, what? that's <laughs> just the last chapter's gone it's like oh hmm all right you know i guess what? there will be a sequel maybe so barky runs off as the girls they decide we should save the dog drop the dummy i feel like you could still hold on to the dummy and chase after the dog like yeah i mean the dummy's probably kicking and biting it'd probably be tough to do both but yeah they, they'd never properly secure the dummy like Two belts and like some some right. some tape, like you know. Put him back in another we suitcase. Don't know how strong he is. Yeah, I mean he's being restrained by two children. I feel like a couple wraps of duct tape would do the job too. He's not that strong. You notice he went for the dog, not the parents, because he mm. knew dad would just like slap him against the kitchen <laughs> counter and that'd be all he wrote. <clears throat> but a little terrier, <laughs> please. So. Dog gets out of the way of the steamroller, probably because the dog has a, a couple more brain cells going on than most of these children. Mr. Wood is free. I feel like if he had the ability to move his fingers, he'd be flipping double deuces at them. And like, <laughs> You'll pay for this. <clears throat> Chris is like, get him. I love how he describes it. I love that you put it in here, too, because it, it's literally like he's booking it from that first steamroller. You can like see the sun breaking out in front of him. He's like, I'm going to come back. I'm going to get free. And then R.L. Stein's like, Mr. Wood never saw the second steamroller, which ran right over him. And 
<laughs> got his ass. It was... This is by far the best death scene in any of the Goosebumps books that we've read yeah. so far. Yeah, I love it. I like, love that he didn't see feels... it. It's so immediate. It's like, <laughs> looks one way, oh, he dodges, he jukes. No, just obliterated <coughs> by that second one that no one saw coming. Even as an adult, I'm like, yeah, you crushed that dummy. Like, it felt it's, good. It's, it's am I? It, is the the part that I'm reading? Is that the death scene, or did you? No, no, you you don't read the death scene. But it, it just talks about like the 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 steamroller rocking as it goes over his body. Like, there's so much energy or mystical power that even the steamroller is shaking a little bit on its frame, oh, and then, yeah. like, green gases bursting out, and uh, which makes it even funnier. When the 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 steamroll driver stops, what he like he he stops after he's gone completely yeah. over it and backs up. I and think then, it says he backs up and goes over it again, like he does like a double take. <laughs> he jumps out and he's like, "Oh my god, did I just run over a child?" Which is and horrifying. Holy and, shit, that's terrifying. I know. This is this is like the the mirror end to the beginning of the book where you at first like Chris is like, "Oh my god, did you pull the dead body of a child out of that dumpster?" And that goes on for a while too. It's like a paragraph of like Chris going like, "Is that a child? Do you have a dead child? Oh my god, it's lifeless." And then Lindy's like, "It's a dummy. It's wearing a bow tie. What is wrong with you?" Like, <laughs> it's painted on. Um, and it's just the poor. I'm I'm glad that the 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 contractor guy was because I, I could have easily been like just immediately be like what is wrong like just turning uh, the immense rage because you have that feeling of like oh my god I killed a child to oh my god so much relief thank god I didn't kill the child why did you do this to me like yeah uh, that just. He gets a little crabby at them. He's like, stop, stop. What are you kids doing out here in the rain? He's like, chasing our living dummy that you just ran over. Did you not see the green smoke and the light? (laughs) Yeah, they were like, we we were walking our dog. And he was like, okay, cool. We'll just get on out of here. Like, he comes down from I just murdered a child quickly. I I would have been to pieces. (laughs) I would have been on the ground crying. Maybe what we're seeing is a couple of like scabs, like doing a little union busting. And so these are the guys that got kicked out of union a long time ago because <laughs> Tony doesn't always check his mirrors. Like, doesn't always do it. <sighs> and Chris's explanation is just like, he's <laughs> just, no, he was a dummy. He wasn't alive. And it's just like, do you mean like he's disabled and you're really awful? Like you're a bad person, Chris? And it's like, no, no, no. He's a wooden yeah. dummy. But he was alive, Chris. He was. But you're not going to tell this. Yeah. You're not going to like. Actually, okay. Here's the here's the story. Steamroll drive operator. So we had a dummy who we thought was alive. He's just like never mind. Gets back on his steamroller. Yeah. I, I, you know what? That would be my reaction as well. I think I just. You know what? Because he picks up a piece of it and it's like the he, like he he picks up his head and like turns to ash. Like it, it is more than just pressed. Like yeah. it's not a. This is not a panini, really. It's because it's overcooked, also, so it's like a burnt panini. Mm, more panini talk. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of hungry. I could go for a panini, I think. But I, I like to, I like to read us out as I always do. Except I'm only reading us out of the, the book, I guess, not the, the podcast. But I want to read us out again. Hey, I'm real sorry. The man said, wiping his forehead with his t-shirt sleeve as he straightened up to face them. I couldn't stop in time. That's okay, Chris said, a wide smile forming on her face. Yeah, really, it's okay. 
Lindy quickly agreed. Barky moved close to sniff the crushed dummy. The man shook his head. I'm so relieved. It looked like it was running. I really thought it was a kid. I was so scared. Nope, just a dummy, Chris told him. Whoa! The man exhaled slowly. Close one. His expression changed. What are you girls doing out in the rain, anyway? Lindy shrugged. Chris shook her head. Just walking the dog. The man picked up the crushed dummy. The head crumbled to powder as he lifted it. You want this thing? You can throw it in the trash, Chris told him. Better get out of the rain, he told them. And don't scare me like that again. Pausing here. Throw more dummies in front of his steamroller? Like, <laughs> What's the threat? What? Oh, he just needs to feel like he's in control. Yeah. He doesn't know who he's dealing with. Chris and Lindy are... Yeah. <sighs> anyway. The girls apologized, then headed back to the house. Chris cast a happy grin at her sister. Lindy grinned back. I may grin forever, Chris thought. I'm so happy, so relieved. They wiped their wet sneakers on the mat, then held the kitchen door open for Barky. Wow, what a morning, Lindy declared. They followed the dog into the kitchen. Outside, a flash of bright lightning was followed by a roar of thunder. I'm drenched, Chris said. I'm going up to get drenched. Me too, Lindy followed her up the stairs. They entered their bedroom to find the window wide open. The curtains slapping wildly, rain pouring in. Oh no! Chris hurried across the room to shut the window. As she leaned over the chair to grab the window frame, Slappy reached up and grabbed her arm. Hey, slave! Is that other guy gone? The dummy asked in a throaty growl. Sorry, let me do that again, because that wasn't a throaty growl. I was going for a different voice for Slappy, but, uh... <clears throat> hey, guys! Uh, hey, slave! Is that other guy gone? The dummy asked in a throaty growl. I thought he'd never leave. I'm also the steamroll driver. <laughs> Minus the last part about the steamroll driver. That's how that book ends. Uh, hell of an ending. Not unexpected. We kind of expect Slappy to have some lively parts of this, but uh, comes in right at the end, right when you're you're kind of feeling good about how it ended. He comes in, does a little grab. Well, you know it's a goose bumper. Mm -hmm. You know it's a goose bumper, so there's going to be like... A flower talking like that, or Compton Dawes is still alive. You know, there's always something. Yeah, man. I love that stuff. At the end. I love that stuff. And so we know that Night of the Living Dummy has a couple sequels in the series. So we we expect to see Slappy Full Force again. He, he plays a minor role in this, in this first book. He's on the cover. He's on the cover of our very own podcast. But in this book, he doesn't really show up until the end and menacing. Is, and it's weird that he was he was shy so, around Mr. Wood. He's like, I don't, I don't do when another dummy's doing his thing. I don't get in the way. I wait until he's gone. Then I do my dummy thing. That's because Mr. Wood is Chris's dummy, and Slappy is Lindy's dummy, and Lindy plays the long con, and Chris is the the man of action. Because you like Chris is the one who took charge all at the end of the book. She's like steamroller, boom, yeah. like suitcase, boom, like like she's the one who's like took action. She doesn't have a lot of like good long-term planning strategies, but she's good in the moment. Great in the moment. Like, I think she'd be great for improv. Hell of a quarterback. Yeah, she's a, she's yeah. A, I think she'd be faster on her feet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good quarterback, not a coach. But, uh, but yeah, no, you're right. It's wild. I like the ending. I don't know if I have strong favor with the entire book. I do find 
a lot of the bickering to be annoying. I mean, it's kids. It's a kid book. I mean, I get it. But it's it, for me, it took over half the book to get interesting. But when it did, I liked it. I loved it. Like, just beginning to end. You liked the whole thing? I, I yeah. I, I enjoyed the ride. Just, like, I'm not entirely, like, the fact that it... Because in some ways it's just like, oh, we actually have too many books in here. One of which is about Lindy the sociopath, and one of which is about uh, a living dummy. But I liked the the kind of build up to these two. Um, of course, there's all me reading into like, oh, this is a terrible family, just like the others. Mm-hmm. Like, let's pick these people apart. Um, and then once Lindy outed herself as being an actual monster, that was fun. That was, uh, I I agree with you. That was that was a heightening because like, oh my god, that is beyond the pale <laughs> it's kind of like a lot of times when you you look back at movies that you grew up as a child and you're like that was not a prank that was that was a crime if that pulled off <laughs> yes like, exactly an actual murder um no i just i like the ride of it and the feel of it like he's he's finding a way to make them all um texture them in interesting ways as he goes along like um i keep talking about curse of the mummy's tomb where there's so much interesting stuff that's happening to it. I just don't really care about the trappings. So it's kind of, but I think it's, but it's, I think it's like this where it's not just upstairs, down the stairs. They're like, we've moved into this house and now we're going to have five interactions with creepy ghost children. And then we have to escape. Um, there's not a lot going on there plot wise either, but this is like all over, like talking about these two girls and getting an idea of how awful one of them is. And, how neat, like, both of them are very needy and attention-grabby, and I loved it. Yeah, and I think the uh, the vehicle what? here of a... What, what, what? Of a... I have a conspiracy theory. I'm sorry, what? I have a conspiracy. You have a conspiracy? I have a conspiracy theory, because it's me, and it's a book. Um, so, oh. where... When does Slappy enter the picture? When is he alive, do you think? I mean, it feels like it's deliberately at the very end, but... Could could be early. You think that's when he came to life? I think he's been alive the whole time. Yeah, I mean, it could have been him and doing here's some things. Why? No, no, no. I don't. I think he did one thing. He put that piece of paper in Mister Wood's coat or in his shirt pocket. Because mm. Lindy's like, I don't remember that being there. She does say that, and I do think that that's weird. And that could be. And where else? Like, could be. Lindy didn't put it there. She's not a, a wizard. She's she's a serial killer in the making, but she's not a wizard. They even so- talk about like the, the sorcerer or something at some point too. Um, I think it's sorcerer's magic that brought them alive. Or, yeah, um, and, which I thought was weird. It's like really sorcerer. Okay, and if we think back far enough, I mean, maybe it wasn't a squirrel they heard. Maybe he was. Maybe he did. It was Slappy, and he jumped into the dumpster. where he could be seen because they he he knew that they would go mm-hmm. rescue him. Yeah. It's possible. It's very possible. Can't rule it out. Um, or if the paper was there the whole time. The other thing is when she read the paper to try and kill. She brought Slappy to life. That's when Slappy. That brought Slappy. So there's there's two thing uh, points that I think he came to life. I think he was alive the whole time. And again, he was pulling the long con. <clears throat> I kind of feel that way too. Because there's no when, other. Unless he. I mean. If he was aware that. Mr. Wood was there at all, he was alive. If he's like, can't wait for that other guy and to be gone. if he knew... So you clearly were there. And I bet, like, 
he was he was planting the seeds. He was getting you know doing stuff. I bet you that one of the reasons why Lindy's so good at ventriloquism is because he's doing a little bit sneaky assist, right? Because like think about it, if the dummy, like what did the dummies really want? You know, like slaves, but like that doesn't tell you anything. Do they want like they're built to be performance things? Maybe Slappy is like an evil Travis who Ooh. wants to be on stage no matter what. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Yeah. I'm just a regular old Slappy, which is why my face is slapped on his face on this podcast logo. You've put it all together. And I'm just a fun, cuddly werewolf, so it's That's fine. Uh, I hurt nobody. Yeah, so <clears throat> I think I think also you made the point about Curse of the Mummy's Tomb that really hit me in the right spot because we don't, we've never been in a pyramid. It's hard to kind of bring that home. This is, you know, kids are lockstep with dolls. Maybe even especially little girls uh, have a lot more dolls maybe than, than boys. So that becomes a, a real threat because dolls, whether they're ventriloquist dolls or not, I think that that gave R.L. Stein an excuse for the girls to interact with them. And that's a doll that can talk potentially. Uh, I think it makes it a little bit more riveting because, you know, I'm staring at the doll behind you right now. And I can imagine it doing things. I can imagine like if I woke up and it was staring at me, that would creep me out. If I thought it moved, that would creep me out. And so... I think he he does a really good job of leaning on the whole creepy doll thing here. The ventriloquist thing is a nice bonus. It helps, and, and it makes it very spooky. We, we can all kind of relate to even imagining dolls moving. It's, it's, a, it's part of the horror fabric that we're entwined in. It's a, it's a really good gimmick. So I give him credit for that. I think that that was well, well leveraged for this story. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give my rating. I think I'm ready. I'm going to give it. Five out of seven painted on bow ties. Hmm. I, I feel like it's uh, the slow build bored me a little bit, but as soon as Doll started talking, I was in. When we started making fun of the Millers, uh, when Lindy flipped and was evil, I was like, oh, shit, this is great. I don't think he wasted a lot of time in the front half of the book. I think it was all necessary, but it took a minute to, to lure me in. Other than that, I love hmm. it. Where are you at, Dylan? What What are you? What you thinking? I'm gonna give it seven doll hands lightly caressing you in the night mm. out of seven. Wow, loved it that much. And I'm trying to think back. Have you given a 100 percent rating before? Did you? Where, where were you at on Monster Blood or Say Cheese and Die? You call? Were you? Uh, were you 100? percent mm, I think it was like ninety uh, percent for those. So this two, is your favorite one so far. That, so it's not like I. I really enjoyed it. I don't know if it was because I was high for most of mm. it when I was listening to it last night. Does help, which possibly. Um, but I also hate things too when I'm high. It's not like I love everything. Mm. Um, so you know, uh, but it, it was, and I also listened to it at work today when you were high. So maybe it shined in comparison to my job. I don't know. But no, I, I just really enjoyed, I think partly because I could definitely relate to uh, these children doing the performance thing. Like I was more about like trying magic tricks and I was very bad at magic tricks as a child. Uh, I did a lot of like, oh, you need to close your eyes because I need to open a portal to another dimension and it'll blind you if you don't close your eyes. And my parents would close their eyes and then I would switch out the things so like, okay, you can open them. Ta-da! It's gone. <laughs> Aw, that's cute. 
And this was what up to four four years ago. You do, you were doing that. Yeah, I mean they don't humor me as much. So like telling you, yeah, you, just do it. Just do the trick. Yeah. yeah, I don't. We'll pretend at the end. Either way, like either way, you get the applause. So let's just, let's just speed it up. <laughs> well, I'm glad you liked it, man. That's uh, that's really good. So I mean, there is a reason. I mean, I liked it too, uh, but there is a reason that uh, Slappy has become the mascot of Goosebumps. This was uh, a character. That R.L. Stein loved specifically. I think some of it might tie into his his love for joke writing too, and so he maybe sees himself a bit he of a slappy. Uh, you think? What was he? Uh, jovial, jovial Bob, Bob Stein. Stein. Yeah. So yeah. this is jovial Bob Stein. He gets to flex a little bit when he gets to write about slappy. So I think that's why he likes him so much. Can't hate him for that. But uh, I don't know. Do you have anything else to add, Dylan? Any other conspiracy theories before we close out this big girthy girthy episode? No, I mean, I could I could go into detail about the psychological trauma that this family is experiencing prior to the dummies showing up. But you know what? That's for the after hours podcast mm. when I just start cracking out in normal psych books. It's going to be lots of fun, Travis. I hope you're ready for the next three hours. Bonus bumps, folks. Uh, you won't hear much of me on that, but uh, you'll hear a lot of Dylan. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that's going to close us out here. Thanks for joining us on this ride. It was certainly a lot of fun. Please email the show. We got goosebumps podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your memories about the show, or I'm sorry, your memories about the, uh, the books that you read growing up, your memories with this one specifically or anything. Uh, reach out, and let us know. We'd love to hear. Yeah. And if you don't like writing emails or we prefer to keep it short, you know, we like long emails and short emails, but if you prefer to stay off the, the Gmails or the emails, find us on Twitter. Say Cheese and Pod, and that is at Say Cheese and Pod, and uh, drop us a line. I'm sure I'll be asking some questions on there. Get lonely on there. Reach out. Reach out. Please give Dylan something to do with that Twitter account. You can also support. Pay attention to me. Please to me. let him be be the audience to his dummy. Support the show on Patreon. You can support this show and our whole network of shows over there. If you head on over to patreon.com forward slash polykill and definitely head on over to polymedianetwork.com if you like, if you like this, you'll love the other stuff. So just go check it all out. Now, Dylan, as you always do about this time, I'd like to hear a little bit of a preview into what people can expect a couple weeks from now. Lucy likes to tell monster stories. She's told so many that her friends and her family are sick of it. Then one day, Lucy discovers a real, live monster. The librarian in charge of the summer reading program. Too bad Lucy's told so many monster tall tales. Too bad no one believes a word she says. Too bad the monster knows who she is and is coming after her next. Next.